com will take you straight to time for an awakening media. It's 7.09 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We have a packed program this evening. In the first segment, our special guest, activist organizer of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba, is with us, joined by Counselor General of the Black Liberation Movement, Brother Kamal Kareem, activist uh, coach Abbasi will be joining us. Uh, and sp- and uh, scheduled to join us also is activist organizer and director of the Black Autonomy Network Community Organizations of the Benton Harbor, Michigan. Reverend Edward Pinkney is supposed to be joining us this evening also to talk about the water crisis our brothers and sisters are facing down here in Jackson. We're going to get a little underground report, some background of what's going on. You'll hear it straight from the people involved. In the second portion of our program, we'll be joined by activist organizer and founder of Community Center Without Walls, Brother Clifton Earl Abrams. Also joining us, activist a journalist and editor-in-chief of the Black Westchester and co-owner of Urban Soul Media Group up there in Greenberg, New York. Also his partner, uh, Brother Damon K. Jones, activist and author and uh, co-partner in Westchester Magazine to talk about the situation going on up there in Greenberg around the historical mural being painted in in the black community and the demand by the Jewish population of the removal of the uh, image of Minister Farrakhan. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Moderators, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21. 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. 
overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum up here in Philadelphia, 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Um, doing fine, considering, you know, the uh, topic we're getting ready to go, you know, to, to delve into. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it just brings out a lot of other dimensions of why what we have to do and um, what's happening to people, our people in Mississippi and in relationship to this water, which, you know, Elliot, um, we've been talking about this a while, the same condition as far as the pipes underneath the ground, the age of them and the type of um, repair they need is here happening here in Philadelphia um, as quiet as it's kept. Richard, um, this just underscores the need for our people to really come together. Uh, we're under attack by all facets in this community. Uh, you know, we just spoke with the brothers about the fight they were having to, to, to get justice for our ancestor Emmett Till. And this happens. So we got to organize and we got to be serious about what we're doing and understand our situation, uh, that our people are placed in, in this environment that we live in. Uh, before we uh, bring on all our guests in the first portion of, of the program this evening, uh, Brother Patrick Lumumba, Brother Kamal Kareem, Coach Abasi, and uh, Brother David uh, Medizi. 
uh, to talk about the situation down there. I want to read a position paper, Richard, that was sent to us uh, through Sister Colette uh, Pan of the December 12th movement. Uh, I emailed it to you, Richard. Did you see it? Yeah, I have it. I, I just want, I'm going to read that on the air before the brothers come on here. Uh, December 12th, Movement International, the International Secretary, um, the address of the offices in Brooklyn, New York, uh, press statement issued September 2nd, 2020. <clears throat> the header, billions for Ukraine, we say billions for Jackson. In 2022, in the richest country in the world, Jackson, the capital of Mississippi, has no drinking water, uh, no water for drinking, cooking, bathing, flushing toilets, or fighting fires. As of this moment, the situation is predicted to continue indefinitely. We're calling on Joe Biden to expeditiously authorize billions of dollars for emergency funds to both address current humanitarian crisis triggered by the climate crisis, induced flooding, and implementation of long-term action steps to correct decades-long operational neglect of Jackson's water system. The situation in Jackson is not new nor unexpected. As Mayor Antar Lumumba said, we've been crying out for more than two years saying that it's a matter. It's not a matter of our water systems will fail, but when the water systems will fail. Almost 17 years to the day of the Katrina man-made disaster, the citizens of predominantly black Jackson are facing the same problems uh, which the citizens then predominantly black New Orleans had. As Jelani Cobb noted in 2005, Katrina has been viewed as the first of a series of crises that seems to have become a referendum on black citizenship. Jackson's latest crisis in that series, which now includes Flint, Detroit, Newark, and clearly the referendum has voted thumbs down on black citizenship. The citizens of Jackson are the victims of structural and environmental racism. And we are concerned that this latest disaster of capitalism not become a cover to force people out of Jackson as a part of the ongoing ethnic cleansing of black people around the country. What black people have learned through these crises is that we must organize to take care of ourselves. We cannot depend on anyone else to do it. Uh, out of benevolence or simply it is uh, the humane thing to do. We will join with other groups around the country to get aid to Jackson, but the investment needed to address the roots of this problem has to come from the federal government. We've got to bring the pressure to bear on Joe Biden. Two years ago, Joe Biden said that black people made his election possible, that we had his back and he'd have ours. Well, the time to have our back is now. Send aid to Jackson as quickly and extensively uh, as you've been sending it to the Ukraine. And the ending is says that our blood down there needs more uh, than Ukrainians. Uh, let me bring on our special guest this evening, Brother Patrick Lumumba. Uh, joining us, Brother Kamal Kareem. And also uh, Coach Abbasi. And I think Brother David Medizi is with us. Let me go and get uh, Brother Patrick. Brother Patrick, are you there? 
Brother Patrick. Power and peace. But Brother Elliot, yes, I am. Can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear, brother. I think uh Thank you. I think Coach Abasi is here. Brother Coach Abasi, is this you? Yes, I'm here, brother. Coach Abasi's in the house. How are you, sir? I'm doing awesome, I'm doing awesome, brother. Uh Brother Patrick, I think uh, Brother Kamal Kareem is with us also. No, sir, Brother Brother Kamal couldn't be with us, but we have uh, Mr. David MDZ is with us Okay. Today. Brother MDZ, are you there? Yes, can you hear me clearly, sir? Yes, sir. I, I, I want to just say uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, peace and love to everyone. Uh, and uh, I was very, very pleased with your uh, selection of uh, – Malcolm and uh, Dr. John Henry Clark. That that was a great blessing. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, that's just a part of what we do, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, but, but you don't. I don't get it all the time enough from people who actually mean it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I'm glad to have you with us to talk about the situation down there. And uh, yes, sir. Before we really talk about what's going on, uh, brother Patrick, uh, give the listeners a little historical background of the city of Jackson. Uh, named after one of their white ancestors, uh, Andrew Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Uh, you're exactly right in that historical content. Uh, and and the, and the historical chronology that I'm going to give is uh, is very historic. But uh, prior to our, you know, to this uh, broadcast, I talked with Brother M. Deasy and then Coach Abasi, and Brother M. Deasy can give a better uh, more modern account of historical uh, reference that we may uh, deem very interested and help this conversation. But it was, and it's very interesting for me and uh, others, and it, we should understand, you know, how these places come to be. And, um, Brother uh, Richard, around <clears throat> the year of uh, 1821, you know, we had a territory you know, called Mississippi that was ready to establish uh, the site in the capital of, of, of uh, Jackson, uh, Mississippi, around 18. Uh, General at the time, Andrew Jackson. Uh, General Andrew Jackson uh, uh, was honored uh, for his ride in the Battle of New Orleans during the um, 1820, 1812, the war, 1812, and uh, he went on to later serve as president. You know, in in in, in um, Andrew Jackson, uh, what I'm gonna call rampage, uh, and and uh, ride for white supremacy domination. Uh, he drove out a natural indigenous group of people that were um, indigenous to the land there called the Choctaws. We may be in, uh, we may uh, understand who the Choctaws are and created what we call a trail of tears. Brother Patrick, I think I lost you briefly. Yeah, that you read uh, prior to the show. So what, what, what we're talking about, you know, is of people based on whatever reason and causation that white supremacy being necessary, you know, to move displaced people, you know, across this land. So, you know, today we, we're dealing with this in Jackson. You know, we, we're dealing with this. So, 
you know, Jackson, Mississippi, named after Andrew Jackson. And, um, you know, right now, you know, we, we, we at war. You know, seriously at war. And, um, you know, culturally at war. We politically at war. We educationally at war. And, and right now, Jackson is a litmus of this in this hour. It's a glaring litmus of this in this hour. And it, and it precipitates a more mature response from us. So that's pretty much where we at, uh, Brother Elliot. You know, with this, we got this whole water crisis now, and and and, and that's what we're here to to discuss. Uh, you know, uh, uh, for a city that's predominantly, I think it's eighty percent black. You men can clear it up for me. Uh, we see the situation and the systematic neglect of the area, and especially when we saw that the uh, millions of dollars being given to a former professional athlete that was from the Mississippi area. Uh, for speeches that he never made, uh, tens of millions of dollars that came to Jackson during, uh, that, that came to Mississippi during the COVID crisis that was used to build more prisons instead of help the people of Jackson. We see this stuff happening and in the backdrop of all this, our people are still struggling. Uh, Coach Abbasi, uh, you and, and, uh, brother Medizi is on the ground. Uh, talk about the efforts to try to get water to some of our people. You know, I saw a published news report up here in Philadelphia that, uh, it showed a lot of our people in the lines down there and the, uh, National Guard. I don't know whether FEMA is there, but the National Guard said they ran out of water. Uh, I don't understand that what's going on. But uh, brothers, let 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 the listening audience know exactly what's happening. Okay, brother, I'm a, this is Coach Abasi. Uh, before I actually talk about the specifics about what's going on, boots on the ground here in Jackson, I want to make sure that we have a historical context of what the water crisis, how it actually started, and where we at now, and then also we're gonna make sure that we give you a detailed description of what's going on, what's been happening the last week. And so I'll be doing their part, but Brother uh, Medizi is going to go ahead and start and give us a historical context about what's happening in Jackson, basically from a uh, historical perspective and a community activist perspective. He actually presently is in L.A. He's not in Jackson, but he's been um, following the whole situation that's been going on in Jackson. He knows pretty much the history of it because he's been dealing with this for the last 14, 15 years. So, David, go ahead. I'll yield the floor to you first, and then I'll come after you. All right. Appreciate you. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, sir. Yes, go ahead. All right. Great, great, great. And I want to thank everyone uh, who is here and for the work that you've done up to this point. Um, specifically, of course, Andrew Jackson, who uh, has been called by some in some places in the Shrine of Black Madonna as the Peckerwood Messiah at one time was the Donald Trump of his era. Um, and he made his, he cut his teeth on annihilating and wiping out um, the Native American population, the indigenous population, uh, for the purpose of annexing the land that we today know as uh, the state of Mississippi and Jackson, Mississippi. Um, unfortunately, 
the way the city was built, it wasn't all the way built like at one time with one plan. It is the result of multiple spaces being annexed uh, and brought together as one, even though they're not all under the same central plan. So as a result, you have these old pipes that are like mismatching, you know, like disconnected, like jigsaw puzzle type thing that you have to try to put together to make work. Uh, and so as a result, some areas get lesser treatment than others. And if you understand the nature of war, then you know that the richer, whiter, wealthier are going to be on the top of a hill and the poorer, blacker, you know, others are going to be on the bottom of a hill. And so you can imagine how that's going to be when flooding takes place. Nonetheless, this is an issue that's been going on for over 30 years. Uh, actually about 35 years. At one point, uh, a mayor by the name of Dale Danks was in office, and he's the one that put the uh, O.B. Curtis water plant in. And the O.B. Curtis water plant is the newer uh, plant. And when Dale Danks was out, a man by the name of Kane Ditto came in. When Kane Ditto was leaving office in the late 80s, I mean, when Kane Ditto was in office from 89 to 97, Kane Ditto uh was responsible for fixing or improving the improving the maintenance of the water plants. And there's two water plants. Uh, then Harvey Johnson came in. When Harvey Johnson ran for office the first time, he ran against Kane Ditto, and he lost. That was the time when white flights started taking place at a rampant rate because they saw that here come here come the dockies, here come the dockies. And so as the as black came in, white went out. And so when Harvey Johnson won the next election in 1997, then he comes in and white flight is now taking place. And that's why the outlying areas have increased exponentially over, uh, over this period, uh, over this time period, from the late mid-90s, from the, from the mid-90s up until the, uh, the 2010s. Uh, you saw an exponential increase in the areas surrounding now, mind you, everything I'm describing is the same thing that happened in Gary, I mean, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, the same thing that happened in Detroit, Michigan, the same thing that happened in Atlanta, the same thing that happened in D.C. Every time in Chicago, every time black people came in uh, after the 70s, black mayors came in, then the, you get the white flight. So it's the same story told all over. Same thing happened in South Africa. It's the same story everywhere we go. And so we need to come together. We need to unite and recognize we have a common enemy instead of being at each other's throat. So Harvey Johnson is out. Uh, Harvey Johnson is in, excuse me. Uh, he attempts to do a bond measure. He got one for education, and then he was due the second one for roads and infrastructure. But before he could get it come, uh, come back to the city, another he had a scandal take place, and that scandal derailed the operations. Another mayor came in, Frank Melton. And Frank Melton was was in it for himself, not for the city. And he set the city back. They got Harvey Johnson back in because they couldn't deal with Frank Melton. So if they got Harvey Johnson back in, they really didn't want Harvey. They just didn't want Frank Melton. And his hands was tied, and he was just mostly fixing what Frank Melton was done. He couldn't get back to the business of what he had on, on track. Shokwe Lamumba followed after that. Uh, it was like a brand-new day. The lights came back on. If you remember on the Wiz after uh, uh, the, the Queen of Mean got flushed down the toilet and everybody started dancing and the rain came down and the lights started shining and the clouds were lifted, that's what it was like when Shokwe Lamuba came in. 
and he was able to implement a 1% sales tax. But in order to do so, he had to allow some control to come in from the outside. Unfortunately, he passed in eight months after his eight month in office or during his eight month in office. And so the agreements that were made to move forward to tackle these problems were now curtailed. The next person that got in was a name, man by the name of Tony Yarber. And Tony Yarber is not a bad person, but he was not prepared to be the mayor. Um, and I mean, he was even doing stuff talking about praying the potholes away, which, you know, that prayer is a good thing, but it's not, that's not the way you get rid of potholes is by praying. And so uh, Tony Yarber came in, and after him, uh, now Lumumba, I'm calling him Junior Lumumba, but Shokwe Antar Lumumba came in. And ever since he's been in office, he's been fighting with the state who's been trying to undermine control of the water and sewage, undermine control of the airport, and undermine control of every aspect that the city of Jackson controls. And so he literally came in with lawsuits against the state who were trying to take over or use others regionally to take over the, 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 the things that the city controlled in order to be able to, to maintain itself. And so recently, uh, within the last two years, he has been on record on Democracy Now! I'm talking about Shokwe Antar Lumumba. He has been on Democracy Now! multiple times. He's been uh, doing all type of interviews. He's visited and traveled throughout the United States of America, seeking help, going to other places to try to figure out how to best fix the problems that are in Jackson. Once again, these are 35, 40-year-old problems. He, uh, no one administration can fix them. And in fact, in order to fix these problems, you'd have to literally break up the streets and replace the cast iron pipes that have been there for 100 years. And they are, they're overdue to, to come on out. And you'd have to tear up those streets, but you can't do that without a plan. And the plans that have been put forth up to this time could not be properly implemented because the state has literally been blocking money that the federal government has allocated to be earmarked for the city of Jackson's problems. The state has literally blocked that money on at least two occasions recently to stop it from coming to the capital city. They spread it out to other places. And we have to understand for those who can't deal with what I'm saying and they want to play politics, these people do not care if black babies are wading through the water. We saw that in Katrina. These people do not care if Big Mama does not have clean water. We know that because when they were in line trying to vote, they didn't want to bring in water to them. These people do not care about your humanity. These people do not mind if you suffer. They want you to suffer because they want you to become dependent and more dependent on them. They want you to come begging them for their help. And if you're not willing to do that, you don't want to play the game in that way, you don't want to be their do-boy, then they're going to starve you out. And that's what's happening in the city of Jackson right now. And I hate to say this, but this flood is probably one of the best things to happen because if it wasn't for this, the national, the national attention, the national spotlight would not be there to force a change from the, from the, from the uh, governor. And I'll pause right there. Uh, Coach Abbasi, so, oh, go ahead. So basically to add on to what David was saying is that those problems that happen from a structural standpoint are now causing a lot of environmental, a lot of mental health, a lot of social 
dis, disengagement upon, amongst the city citizens of Jackson. So the citizens are split now because now the resources that's coming in are not being allocated, allocated to the right people. So that's why it's important that we have someone boots on the ground and actually seeing what's going on. So the last week, the last two weeks, we've been dealing with the water crisis based on the flooding first. Let's, let's keep in mind, we had flooding. The, the Pearl River was at 36 degrees, uh, 36 inches, I'm sorry, 36 inches. And that made the, the, the river almost flood over. However, in the zip code 39201, where most whites live at, they had something called a spillway. The spillway was about to flood over. So what they did is start taking, pump the water out of the spillway to the Pearl um, River. What it did is it changed, it, it put pressure on the already fragmented water system in Jackson. And then what happened, the whole system just shut down. So that means that people in most residents in South Jackson, they didn't even have water to um, drink or bathe with because the water pressure shut down. And when the water pressure shut down, the mayor had to say, okay, what we're going to do is we're cut out certain water in certain areas, and then we're going to leave the water going on in some areas. That was a problem. It got to the point where now the, the whole system shut down. And so once the whole system shut down, they're now in repair mode. All they're doing is trying to repair all the different areas of the pipes that are either bust, broken, or discombobulated. What happened is it's so bad that the schools, the high schools, they wasn't getting water at all. We have nine high schools in the city of Jackson and several elementary schools and charter schools. So once that happened, the, drug, the, the, the mayor had to go ahead and Council all the schools the Jackson Public School Systems, right? So I represent an organization called the Jackson Association of Black Social Workers, right? And we deal with the social, emotional levels of understanding of our tenants, especially the parents, and how they're able to cope with different issues that comes up and it causes this mass hysteria. I had to literally go to schools and help parents, along with some of my members from the association, get on the tablets, get tablets for their children and log on and help them. They were frustrated. They were upset because they said, we just deal with the COVID situation, now we're out of school again. So it put a big, big burden on, on the city of Jackson. So the schools were really affected as far as the children. Then on top of that, we had spent the last three days at the senior citizens' homes and all the assisted living homes, making sure that we get them water. Because, and then our, our part of our investigation, we found out that there were some senior homes that haven't had running water for the last two weeks before the crisis happened. So those were our priorities. So we started to go ahead and give them water so they could be able to bathe or just wash up, you know, or just so it was it was terrible. Then you gotta understand if you're in the 
the um, project and the parent don't have any bottled water, they're going to tell that child to go ahead and drink that tap water, which is unfortunate because the water is so contaminated right now that the residual effects don't cause some developmental issues and some physiology issues later on as the children continue to grow and develop. So we got a lot of things that's going to happen from that. What we're needing now, we're needing to have our residents become more aware. We need town hall meetings. We need um, sessions where, we, where we're educating the, the public about what's going on. And we don't need a, elect, we don't need elected officials doing it. We need grassroots. We need teachers, social workers. We need people who are actually connected to the people who speak the people's language so that people can understand the magnitude of the problem from a collective standpoint. Once we get that, we'll be starting out making sure that the next 60 days uh, we're heading in the right direction. What we're doing now is Felicia Tripp. She's with the NAACP. Um, she's with the disaster uh, the disaster areas in uh, Mississippi. And what she's doing is we're, we're meeting together so that we can find out what strategic plan that we need to do and what type of money that's going to come from the federal government and how we can oversee this money and make sure the money is getting where it needs to go. Because, brothers and sisters, the money is not getting where it needs to go. So, therefore, we need an oversight committee that's going to make sure the money on a grassroots level to make sure the money is getting to where it needs to be. I'm going to go ahead and pause, brother, if you have any questions. But that's pretty much an overview of what's going on here in City Jackson. Thank you for the honor. Uh, Coach Abbasi, <clears throat> before I uh, pass the mic to Brother Richard, let, let me uh, ask this because uh, I, I heard the program broadcast on Thursday evening on Time for an Awakening uh, Media. Uh, uh, Brother Patrick was talking about uh, uh, bringing some trucks down uh, to help the seniors because the seniors couldn't get to the areas where uh, they were supposed to be distributing this water and the water being distributed by the national guard, uh, from what I understand, they uh, ran out. I don't, I don't understand how that happens, but they ran out of water. So, uh, is it any difficulty, the logistics in trying to get the water to the, a lot of the seniors and the, the homes and the people that need it? Well, what, right now, uh, we're working on that for us logistics. Um, what we're looking at, the national guard did run out of water but they all have another uh, pallet of water coming in on Tuesday, so they should be good. But right now, today and tomorrow is going to be most of the residents, local organizations going to come in and bring and do water. Now, what we're looking at is making sure that it's going to be a 60-day period where the water is not going to be there. So we already have given our water to uh, several senior homes and apartments, but we have about capacity, about 40% homes, um, seniors, not, they don't have water. Or they have limited water. Okay, so we got to make sure we take care of this, those 40%. And those are pretty much those seniors that's located in the 39203 area, which is, we call it the hood. You know what I mean? Those, those areas and those, those seniors can't even dive in, in cars, transportation, and things of that nature. So we got to really get out there and uh, bring it to them. So we're working with Councilman Kenny Stokes 
in War Three, and what we're doing is we're we're, we're getting trucks. We already got we got about twenty five to thirty trucks available to receive water, so we get the diesel truck to come in. Um, then we could take it and unload the water at one spot, and then we could take it to the designated um, senior homes and individuals. We have a collected over name about two hundred to three hundred people that actually are shut, sick and shut in. They can't even come out the house. So what we've done, we partnered up with several organizations that's going to be helping us distribute the water. We are working with Felicia Tripp, the NAACP, so we can get the logistics down packed. We're working with Mac F for Mississippi Moves, and we're working with different organizations that are already doing boots on the ground community work so that when we go out and distribute this water to people, we want everyone can get served. Okay. So we're going to definitely um, get together and make it happen. We just need the people from the all over the United States to realize that once you send your, your donations and your water, don't take your donations and your water and take it over to the National Guard. <laughs> that's what that's what they, they, they're taking their water to the National Guard or Red Cross or these big organizations. And the big organizations are getting the water out, but they're not doing it in the systematic way that's best for our people. So they're, they're actually... Um, almost redlining the water when it comes to people because imagine if you come to a car and you can only get one case of water. You stay in the line for two hours and you get one case of water. That's a shame. Especially if you got 70, 80 year old elders in the line. Then if they in line and they don't have any water at all. So what we're saying is that we're, we're getting the rest of the citizens of Jackson to contact our, our organizations and we're going to deliver that water to them. And then that's going to be a bridge to help us to do other things because don't don't keep it keep it on um, mind they're not just suffering from water it's food too so we are we are we we a crisis in the city and we have to come together collectively and we have to have a new way of thinking to make it work. Richard, uh, jump in here and and looks like on the line also we got activists and organizer and director of the Black Autonomy Network community organizations up there in uh, Benton Harbor, uh, Reverend Edmund. Edward Pinckney is with us, but uh, Richard, jump in. You know, and I, I would rather um, hear what Reverend Pinckney um, has to say as he's, because he's been, as the brothers were laying out what's happening in Mississippi. I think it's important to kind of get this with Benton Harbor and Flint. Um, do we see the same circumstances? And I'll say this as I ask um, Reverend Pinckney to, to respond, because what I see and, and I understand the need for us to react and respond immediately um, to assist in providing the water necessary. But what I see is control, control destruction of a population. And it's not just happening in Jackson. And that organizing that you mentioned earlier, Elliot, is why I hope the Time for Awakening audience is getting as we are hearing this. So Robert Pinkley, uh, Thinking, how, how do you um, compare what you heard that's happening in Jackson to what has hap- happened in Flint and in Vincent? Yeah, you know what? It, it's almost the same identical thing. But here, here's what we did. Uh, we immediately went to work. One of the things, once, once see, it started with our water plant in 2018, but it was all right because it was black folks. At that time, we were about 90% African-American, so nobody really cared. They, uh, the EPA and everybody else knew about it, but nobody really cared. Even black folks didn't care. 
You, we have an all-black government here who, who, who are in denial, you see. And if, if so here's what I'm, I'm going to start at the beginning and tell you how all this came about. One of, one of my members of the Black Economy Network, daughter came in from Texas. And when she came in from Texas, she, she discovered that the water was yellow. And she asked her mother, who's, who's in her late 70s, how long the water been like this? And she told her it's been like this for maybe a year or two. And she said, you've been taking a bath in this type of water? So they called me. And uh, I told them to get two quarts of water and take it to the mayor of Benton Harbor so he can have it analyzed so we'll know what we're dealing with. She took the two quarts of water to him, and he refused to take it and have it analyzed. So that's when the Benton Harbor Community Water Council was formed. And what we did, we went around testing people water and discovered it had not only high lead, but also bacteria in the water from the water plant. And, but the thing is, the EPA already knew this, but they did nothing. So we're waiting for them to do what they're supposed to do. It took us over a year to get this thing done. So what we did, we filed a petition. And now this petition is a bad boy. Uh, uh, we filed it with the EPA. And when we filed that petition, we laid out the things we want done. And what happened was uh, we had a meeting with the EPA around table, and we exposed them for, for not – it was really, it's, it's really a racist situation because it's a black city. So what we did, we forced them to do things that they never done before. And that's how all this started rolling. That We filed a petition charging them. And also we made the city council here call for a state of emergency. That's a bad boy, too, because the first thing you want to do, you've got to get publicity. And and once 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 the the, the city council uh, called for a state of emergency, now the governor got to act, and also the EPA, the federal government, got to act. And this is when all the resources come in, and it's, it's crucial. It's crucial that you get the mayor to, to vote at the next city council for a state of emergency. That that brings the governor into it. Also, it brings Joe Biden and his team in. But that petition we filed, that really got the ball rolling. You can go to my website, which is bhcwc2.org, and you can read the petition that we filed. And you can also copy it, that a fact, because it's just that long. We had a lawyer to file that. And here's something I did, too. I went out and got 22 organizations to support us on this thing when we filed that petition because I knew it was going to be a bad boy because people, uh, we called the press conference right after we filed it and people from all over the world got wind of it. And the newspaper gave us nothing but good publicity about it. So my suggestion to you guys is to go to my website, pull up that petition and review it and see where you at. And here's the thing. If you have any relationship with the mayor, have him to uh, uh, put a resolution together at the very next meeting and call for a state of emergency. That's big. You know, we almost had to, we almost had to fight with these elected officials here. Matter of fact, it was almost going to be a fist fight between the mayor here and the guy came in from Flint. 
to uh, to support us on this because we knew that they were they so scared of these white folks around here that they don't know what to do. So they hate my guts. I'm 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 I'm, I'm the bad seed here because I know what to do. And here's another thing that I, I was listening to you guys about the water situation. It would be a failure if y'all just have a location where they pick up the water. We go mm. door to door. This is what we do here in the city of Benton Harbor. We, we don't, because the, the, actually the victims are the residents of Jackson. They're the victims here. And they should not have to go and stand in line to get no water. You see? And what I did, I put a team together. And we deliver water every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we, we do everybody. And within that period of time, you're a bigger city. You're probably going to go from Monday to Sunday delivering water. So my suggestion is, is that you don't even though, even the ones that can get out of their house, give them water. Set up uh, zones where everybody's in control of. You're responsible for this family having water. And you and and, and here's another thing that you you can do now since the National Guards are in Jackson, they're in Jackson right now. Bring in the National Guard to go out here and help deliver this water. Bring them in. Go door to door. Don't set up these stations. These stations is worthless. And, and uh, people from all over come get the water. It's not just people from, probably from Jackson getting this water. People from the surrounding areas. That's how they get up. They were talking about how much water they were punching, uh, pumping into Benton Harbor. And people were getting it from all over. People were coming from everywhere getting the water. And I said, no. I, you know, we're going door to door. And then we started going door to door, and we made it work. And you can make it work, but you got to follow the truck. Hey, you guys from Jackson, we need to talk more so we can, I can help y'all set up a game plan and we can make it work together. You know, and I'm with y'all 100%. And I also, my friends from Flint, be with y'all, and my friends from Detroit, you know, we gonna, so we, we'll get together, we'll set something up, and we'll do it. And if we, you know, we need, if we need our help to file this petition, because that is crucial. That'll get all, everything done in your whole city. You won't have to worry no more. You know, and and that's how you'll never worry about this ever happening again if you file that petition. Because after the petition comes the lawsuit. See, the EPA is responsible too for this. They should have known that this there was uh, something like this could happen. And if they don't know, they should have known. So my thing is this: I'm with you guys, and you can call me. Let me give you my phone number. It's two six nine. Three six nine eight two five seven. My name is Reverend Pinckney, and you can call me and set up a, a we can set up a meeting even with the mayor and tell him what we need. He needs to call for a state of emergency now. Don't regardless of what y'all did in already, call for that state of emergency now. Don't don't I want to hear that things are getting better because this stuff could last six months. It could last a year. And if we don't get it right, there's going to be a lot of people getting sick. We don't even know. You know, nobody ever talk about water killing you. You'll never hear that. You know, but you. But here's some of the things. Your kidneys. It deals with the kidney. It deals with the liver. It deals with the, with the heart. It deals with your whole body, this water. And then bacteria is even worse. Now, that would kill you, but they won't call it because of the water. So my suggestion is, Number one, let's get the call for that state of emergency in Jackson 
Mississippi right now. Let's not wait. Number two, let's put together with some lawyers and let's file that petition immediately. Even, oh, let's say if they say the water good now. No, no. We're still filing this petition. So we're going to make sure it never, ever happens. Then you can watch the money as it flow in. Because the governor, the uh, Biden, all of them now is responsible. You know, the EPA should have caught this. There's no excuse for this. So we got to deal with also the city of Jackson going to be held responsible also for this. Because they could have, they, they should have been the file or call for a state of emergency. But here, here's what y'all can do. Y'all can start this immediately. Stop having, you know, you can have these little stations that, you know, the people can come pick up the water. Well, why should people stand in line two and three hours to pick up some water? You, they're the victims. You, you guys should be going door to door. Everybody, not just the senior citizens, people can't get out. Everybody. You just, y'all set up routes, areas, and, and, and uh, uh, everybody be responsible for a certain amount of people to have water. And I would, I would sit down and help y'all do that. I'll make sure that uh, you. I mean, you gave out the number on here, Brother Piggy, but I'll make sure that uh, uh, Brother Patrick, Brother pa- Brother Kamal, uh, Coach Abasi, and, and uh, Brother McDeezy gets uh, your contact, so uh, y'all yeah, can work together on this thing. Call me and then let's strategize because this will happen again if we don't correct it. Well, uh, listen, it's going to happen again, and I know it is, and right. we we all know that yeah. it is. So any so, of the cities that have no, have. Have let's do it now. Let's call for the state of emergency. And the reason you're calling for it, you want to make sure that this never, ever happened again. So let's get the resources there. See, that's the thing. The EPA, is, they got the money is already available. You see, the money is already available. They're not telling folks because down here, look, the first thing they did, they, they gave us $33 million right off the top. And, it, you know, it, that's peanuts, really. But the point is, we could we, we could get more. I went to Washington D.C. in 2018 and and talked to the senators and the, and and the House members and told them about the problem that was happening in Benton Harbor. You see, and you know they they look at it, they look at it, they, they say, okay, well we're about to get y'all some money. And I said, yeah, okay, but then that wasn't good enough because that's why we filed the petition. I want you to go to my website. The Harbor Community Water Council website. Look up that petition and read the petition we put together, and then y'all can follow the same form. We dealt mostly with lead, but we also explained to them about the the uh, a water plant. That so listen, let's do this. Let's talk this week and strategize a little bit. But the first thing I like to do. Talk to the mayor. Tell him to call for a state of emergency right now. Don't, don't wait. I don't want to hear that. Uh, uh, oh, oh, the water is better. No, the water. This, this is going to happen again, and let's make sure it don't happen again. And we can do this if we stay on time. See, that's how you stay ahead of the game. See, I had enough knowledge and wisdom to know that I'm, I'm, a, you know, instead of them attacking me, I'm going to attack you. And that's how we got to be successful. And I, I, I'm telling you, they right now they got, they got 80 percent of the pipes, the lead pipes replaced here, which is is, is incredible. It's, when I say incredible, I mean incredible. And uh, uh, but I'm pressuring them every day. I'm out there in the field checking the pipes, checking to make sure they're doing right, make sure they're doing what they need to do for my black brothers and sisters. And they hate me for it. I mean, these elected officials, they're so mad that they don't know what to do. But 
I'm not, I don't care. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm trying to get safe water for my brothers and sisters. That's all I'm trying to do. I don't care about nothing else. You can call me the evilest man in the world. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. But I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to make sure that these folks, these white folks do what they're supposed to do. And I'm willing to help you guys in Jackson. But here, but this is something that you got, I hope y'all got a relationship with this with mayor so you could tell him about that. And if you need to talk to me, I'll make myself available for a conversation with him. And can I ask uh, the brothers from Jackson? And I, I wanted to reemphasize um, the two points that were Has there been a state of emergency? Um, called for in Jackson in relationship to the water? I just wanted to clarify that. The, the, answer, the answer is yes. Okay. Have, mm-hmm. can, can you hear me clearly? Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah, the answer is the answer is yes. They actually, the gov- the first, the mayor um, called for it, and then the, then the governor uh, uh, issued it. And what the governor was trying to do is get ahead of it before it got, you know, too bad. And then he started to get in contact with the mayor in a way that allowed them to work together. So much to the point where the mayor started trying to adjust his tone so that they can work in a more uh, team-like fashion. Because, you know, if you've been crying for help, crying for help, crying for help, and then somebody finally come through, you don't curse them out just because they were late. You understand what I'm saying? You you try to be conciliatory and to work with them to give them a chance to be a good teammate. And so uh, that's what's happened. The, the governor actually issued a state of emergency uh, after the mayor had uh, done it, direct, almost directly after. Okay. Uh, brother, brother Patrick. Um, brother Patrick. <laughs> brother Patrick. Yes, sir. I'm here, brother. Okay. Yeah. Um, listen. Uh, I, I know all the brothers got. Uh, Reverend Pinckney's contact information. I, I wanted him to kind of jump in here because he had been on the program several times before we have a relationship uh, with Reverend Pinckney up there being active up there in, in Benton Harbor. And when the situation happened there, a lot of people f- that had been active in Flint and in Detroit uh, uh, helped him out. So some of the things that he's talking about can help our brothers and sisters out in Jackson. So I, I'm glad that he kind of reached out, gave his contact and uh and y'all can meet over the phone over zoom or whatever and i know that he can help with some of the efforts to organize down there in jackson it's a larger city than benton harbor but our people still the same wherever they are right right well let me say this brother elliot and to my brothers uh coach abasi and my brother david md who i'm thoroughly impressed with you know your extensive knowledge on our history, uh, because I'm a history buff. And as we've been matriculating across the state of Mississippi with the initiative of Mississippi on the move, going into predominantly black townships and talking to our, the, the average, uh, what we would call the, you know, the average brother and sister that's out there trying to up the political aptitude of our understanding about our condition in Mississippi, you know, and, uh, Mississippi being a microcosm, of course, of the United States of America. So we so concentrated in black here in Mississippi uh, that it's, it's necessary that we do what it is that we're doing. But what I'm what I'm not finding, and I'm talking to my brother Obasi, I'm talking to my brother uh, MD, and I'm talking to black people who listen, period. What I'm not, what I'm not finding is what I have on this phone, what we have on the phone. 
we, what we have on this phone right now is a synergy. It's a synergy of consequential black men. I, I mean, mm. consequential black men that's willing to exec, execute particular fortitude uh, necessary to exact the change that we need. I mean, that's what I'm hearing on this phone. You know, starting from the relationship uh, that we afford, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, you know, we start forging this relationship with the elders that we were putting on the ground with the whole Emmett Till uh, situation. Now, since we had the capitulated black leadership in the form of a black DA that did not have the testicular fortitude to exact justice for black people, you know, um, we, 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 we now crafting uh, a whole justice reform effort along with Bob Kamal and State Senator Kabir Kamal, we we now formulating a whole state uh, reform, injustice reform uh, package to present and to put on the uh, on the on the forefront. But in the midst of this, the whole crisis with Jackson takes place. And you know, I want to put it in perspective. You know that what we really dealing with. Jackson is under siege. You know, from all my, from from what I can gather, Jackson is under siege. Jackson represents a black metropolitan city. You know, it's not even a township where we've been going into the Holly Springs, the Indianola, uh, the Clarksdale. These are strong towns, but they are not what Jackson is. Jackson is a black city. And when I'm listening to, you know, Mayor Lumumba yesterday, you know, deliver somewhat of a state of the, uh, of the situation, a state of the situation address. And I'm looking at the, all of these comments that you can't help, and I try to be one that's not distracted from the focus, but you can't help but be distracted by these descending, condescending comments that's coming in, that's, that, 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 that's getting directed toward black leadership, you know, from, 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 from white people. And not only that, you're getting condescending um, comments from our people. You know, uh, and, 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 I'm, and I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the full gravity of that and what that really means. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> I'm just thankful that we have a synergy here. You know, and when I come across Brother brother, brother uh, Obama came up to our school and our center here in Mississippi, and we sat down and we started talking about uh, black educational institutions, you know, at what point are we going to start crafting the type of uh, leadership and generation that's uncompromised about who we are and how we're going to domesticate ourselves and, and civilize ourselves. So with, with Jackson being on the siege, it's, it's, it's a major thing. It's more major than a hashtag. I mean, it's a real situation that we real, really need to deal with. And Baba Kamal is not on him, but when I first met Baba Kamal years ago, one of the things he told me sitting down in his restaurant, he said, young man, he said, we need a, ba- a lesson in basic civics, mm-hmm. a lesson in basic civics, mm-hmm. because the majority of us don't know how to civilize ourselves. So when we have these situations like what we have in Jackson, the, 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 the mass majority of our people don't understand the civic aspect of this. They don't understand the infrastructural damage that's done to the pipe. They look at that Antar and point that Antar. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about our brothers and sisters. We, they don't understand that this is a chronological, historical problem that has 
basically uh, accumulated points. And so all the fingers get pointed at, at, at the brother and, and, and so on and so forth. But what I'm glad about, you know, is the synergy that's been created here. The problem-solving mindset that's here. The Reverend Pinckney that we can reach to and, and, and help us in these causes. We're not as divided as we are disconnected. We got to connect these dots. And it shows like this right here, time for an awakening. People like Obasi, it's people, people like uh, MDZ here, it's people like you and Richard that are going to make the difference because it motivates me as a blacktivist. I'm a blacktivist. I, I, I don't have no bones about it. I'm a blacktivist. Uh, I, I deal specifically with the problems of our people, and that's what I like about Obasi. Obasi said, look, I'm a social worker that understands how to step out from behind the desk. You know, this, this situation facilitates and necessitates that I step out from behind the desk and I go out there and I map out. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm taking my, my guide from the reconnaissance that uh, Brother Obasi had done. He made it clear. He said, look, we need to be in this zip code, okay? We need to be in this zip code. We got old people that have been uh, staying in their home. And I done went in their home and the stench would push you back out the door. Because these old people who don't have cars, National Guard, they don't have cars. So we see the corroborated news uh, sources that make us think that the, the uh, National Guard is being affected. But the whole policy is you got to have a car to get some water. What about that percentage that we ain't even thinking about? That's not getting the water. Well, it takes people like Bud Obasi to go out there and make sure that these people are accommodated and they, and they, they are made of relevance. So it takes these type of things, and it takes efforts like the, the grassroots efforts of the Black Liberation Movement and, and the people, the Black Panthers that we're affiliated with is ready to take off their jobs and go and make sure that, that, that people are getting water. You know, these are the unsung heroes that's, uh, you know, uh, filling in the gap in these moments, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for that, and I think that needs to be magnified, and, I'm, and, and I know that's what we have on this phone, that synergy. Uh, is inspirational for me. Richard? Well, I'm, I'm just, um, first, I don't, I'm not sure about our time. I just want to reemphasize that um, from a political, from an organizing perspective, and you started off, Elliot, that this, um, and what I hear um, it, um, from the gentleman that's presenting in Jackson and, and, and Benton Harbor, is the organizing that's going on. I hope the Time for Awakening audience understand. As it relates to the infrastructure, I want to make it clear to, for us that if the, um, if the Infrastructure Investment Act, Investment and Job Act of 2021 provided uh, about $55 billion new funding, right? Mm-hmm. $55 billion, which brings that infrastructure up to 472 billion dollars and you heard uh Reverend mentioned that eighty percent in that area. This is not just a political and to deter the, the what I, I call the control destruction of the population, but it's an opportunity for us to re energize when we take control of this political um reality that we're living in. And the funds, the political organizing that is needed in order to be able to create in our cities and townships. 
type of reality that we wish to create. I just want, I just wanted to emphasize that because the state of Mississippi decided, I understand a year or two years ago, not to provide that $470 million necessary that would averted this. And it's the political machinery, the political will of the people of Jackson that have to be able to mobilize, organize, and demand to control in order to do what's necessary, not just to be able to say it was done, but to create a better life. And I apologize for rifting, but I think that what, as Brother um, Patrick said, the synergy that we have here and what we see, this is something that's going on in black communities all over. And the health condition that is being created in the future by babies, if we don't get a handle on it, it's going to be worse than whatever we thought coming out of Reconstruction. I, I, I apologize for, you know, again, for rifting, but I think hopefully I'm making, wanted to make, to get some, for the Time for Awakening audience, for the brothers on the ground in Jackson, to be able to acknowledge that we understand not just the short-term reactionary challenge that we have, but the long-term opportunity that we have and being able to put pull together the political, economic, uh, and future vision of what we want our communities to be compared to this kind of bullshit that's been going on. Excuse my expression. Brothers, I, I want to thank all of you for your activism and what you're doing. Uh, we're going to always be in touch uh, uh, through Brother uh, Patrick uh, to kind of get updates on what's going on. Uh, the folks can also listen to the program on Wednesday, I mean on Thursday, uh, Mississippi on the move, Thursdays at uh, 8 o'clock, Brother Patrick. Sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely we'll be airing every night, I mean every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Oh, 7, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll be airing every Thursday night. We appreciate the brothers up there in Philadelphia for you know, uh, streaming us uh, over your over your ways as well. So uh, we just trying to make sure that we get our message out and, and clear, and uh, you know, and, and, and get our boots on the ground and get done the things that we need to get done. You know, here and here in this state. So you know, we 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 greatly appreciate it. And I and I and I say this. You know, I'm I'm grateful for uh, brother Obama and, and brother M. for being on stage because they gave me a lot of clarity and insight. Today, uh, with, with, with the they shared. But I said this this morning. I said uh, we conduct it today. So Jackson don't need prayer. Jackson needs water. You know, uh, and it's, on, it's incumbent on us who have water to make sure that those people in Jackson prayers are answered. You know, don't nobody in Jackson need me praying for them. I'm just gonna be straight up. They need me to bring them some goddamn water. So uh, that's what we get. That's what I'm at. So, uh, and, and, and that's what we about. You know, we about putting boots on the ground and exacting uh, change through practical. So, uh, I thank y'all both for having us on. And we have a program where y'all can go door to door. You use that. Uh, if, if y'all got, uh, y'all say 25 trucks and also utilize the National Guard, make sure that they understand because you're not going to get the job done. Uh, setting up these water stations 
and these people coming, standing on land. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, that affects the people. And this is a tool. This is a tool where you guys can take control, you know, because we took control. We're taking control right now by the work we're doing uh, on, on, on the ground. Because people, we are the ones that actually doing the hard labor. And, we, you know, we're taking a beating from the media. Because they don't like they don't like black folks being able to uh, 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 do things. They think that we're all dumb and stupid. We can't do nothing, you know. But I I, I tell you this: let's get to work. Uh, I'm with y'all 100. You can go to my website. That's bhcwc2.org and see some of the stuff we did and read about that petition we got on there, the one we filed with the EPA. And I, I, I'm telling you, we can work that baby. And it doesn't take an elected official to file it. You and your group can file it. And, uh, but when you do, make sure you call a press conference. That's crucial. I want to thank everybody for being with us this evening, Reverend Pickney, you also. And uh, I'll make sure that you and Brother Patrick and the other brothers uh, be in touch with one another. Yeah. yeah, give them my number, and they can call me anytime, and I'll make time to talk to y'all, and we can strategize. Good. Thank you, sir, and I'll be in touch. All right. All right, we'll talk soon. All right. <laughs> Brother Patrick, we'll be we'll talk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Brother Obasi. Thank you. And uh Brother Mendizi, thanks for your work. Yes, we'll sir. be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to transition over to the second portion of our program. And joining us in the discussion, activist, organizer, and founder of Community Center Without Walls, Brother Clifton Earl Abrams, activist, journalism, uh, journalist, editor-in-chief of the Black Westchester, and co-owner of Urban Soul Media Group, Brother A.J. Woodson is scheduled to join us, and Brother Damon K. Jones, activist and author, and also involved in the Black Westchester magazine a black-owned and operated newspaper in Westchester County. We're going to be talking about the controversy around a historical mural in the black community that contains an image of Minister Furcon and the firestorm it has started in the area. Let's organize, brothers and sisters. We'll be right back. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Habibitumi.com, Habibitumi.tv, Habibitumi.tv.com, Habibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Habibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Habibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country 
while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. 
part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, Sunday edition. It's 828 here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, before we transition into our next portion, uh, Brother Richard, I want to play a clip sent to me by Brother Maurice Carver up there in Brooklyn uh, with the program Black Men Screaming. Uh, and that's what got me in touch with uh, Brother Abrams, Brother A.J. Woodson, Brother Damon Jones, which you will be hearing momentarily. Let me let me play this uh, clip for our listening audience. If I can get this thing up here. Uh, let me see here. Uh, oh. I think I got it. Let me see. To celebrate black history and Black Lives Matter, stirring up a controversy in the Westchester community of Greenberg. Some of the community were outraged that an image of the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan was included. Jewish leaders say he should not be on the mural because of a history of comments they call anti Semitic. Now the town is changing the display. Here's Eyewitness News reporter Marcus Solis. It took nearly two years of planning, and the artwork is only half done. But the wall of this Black Lives Matter mural completed two weeks ago is sparking controversy in Greenberg. The 2,500-square-foot project depicts dozens of influential black leaders, among them Louis Farrakhan, the head of the Nation of Islam, who the Southern Poverty Law Center classifies as an anti-Semite. We love Minister Farrakhan. This is a black neighborhood. You know, he's in our history. He's an icon. Clifton Abrams is the community activist who spearheaded the project. The massive mural lines the Manhattan Avenue underpass of I-287. The Greenberg Town Board is spending $100,000 for the transformation, which will include lighting, security cameras, landscaping, and Wi-Fi for visitors to access background information. But the Town Board, which reviewed renderings of the artwork, says Farrakhan's inclusion was a surprise and never discussed. We shouldn't be spending taxpayer dollars to um, highlight somebody who's full of hate against Jews, Asians, the LGBT community, and many others. In a statement, the Westchester Jewish Council called Farrakhan's imagery hurtful, adding he's one of the country's most prominent anti-Semites, and his long and public history of anti-Jewish and other bigoted comments makes his inclusion in this project completely improper. Abrams says he believes some of Farrakhan's comments were taken out of context and points out history is full of flawed leaders. So how do we deal with Thomas Jefferson, George Washington and other slave owners and the stuff they did to black Americans. And we forgave. The town says it will paint over Farrakhan's image next week. But Abrams is meeting with black political leaders and exploring the possibility of raising money to reimburse the town in an effort to keep the mural as is. Uh, Richard, we hear that uh, in this radio clip, uh, TV clip, that the town is going to paint over the mural. Uh, let's talk to some of our brothers on the ground up there, uh, activist, organizer, and founder of the Community Center Without Walls, Brother Clifton Earl Abrams, activist, journalist, and editor-in-chief of the Black Westchester and co-owner of Urban Soul Media Group. Brother A.J. Woodson is joining us. And I saw Brother Damon Jones, activist, author, and also part of the Westchester Magazine. 
a black-owned and operated newspaper based in Westchester County. I think all of them are here. Uh, Brother Clifton. Brother, can I say something? Yes, sir. Um, Kendall Art, the artist, is here, too. Okay. All right. I see his name down. Okay. I'll, I'll get him involved in the conversation also. Uh, yeah. Brother AJ. So play a major part. Good. Brother AJ, you're with us. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Good. I, I, I will answer any questions asked of me, but I, I want to, I want to give, uh, Brother Cliff and Brother Kendo as much time as possible because, you know, he's the organizer and he's the artist of the mural. But Good. any questions you have for me, I will answer them. Good. And Brother Kendo, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, brother. Appreciate you guys having me on. And I didn't get a chance to uh, thank AJ and Damon for having me on earlier. I was I was a little hot, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to say thank you now that I got the time. So I appreciate it all. I'm glad yeah. to have you. I'm glad to have you with us. I, uh, with my son. I also want excuse me. I also want to thank AJ and brother Damon too, man. Thank you for um, leading that conversation. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, uh, your pro- your program aired uh, six to eight. Uh, six to eight, yeah. We went we went over to about eight fifteen, eight twenty. Okay, like that, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we, we'll we'll touch on some of the things, uh, and hopefully, moving forward, uh, we'll be working on some things, uh, brother AJ, you and and uh, brother Damon, where we can kind of uh, bring these things together. Damon, he has to work tonight. He was on for a little while, mm-hmm. and then I think he had to go. I guess to handle whatever he had to handle, so he's not with us. So it's just me. No problem. Uh, before we kind of uh, intertwine you, brother AJ, into the conversation, let's go first to brother Clifton uh, and brother Kendo. Uh, brother Clifton, um, you've been putting together this mural for quite a while. Uh, you told me that it's uh, dealing with our historical experience here since we've been in this country, and it's not even halfway done. And from the images that I see, it contains a lot of historical figures in our experience here. Um, we see that uh, Minister Farrakhan is contained in a number of political figures, uh, not political, historical figures. But it has started a controversy because he's, his image is even there. Uh, uh, talk about it from your perspective as an organizer, putting all this together, and then uh, this, this uh, foolishness starts. You know, Brother Booker, you know, the sad thing about it is that we've been working on this project for two years, you know, and Kendall and the other artists wasn't even looking to get paid. That's how they was committed to this project. And Greenberg is a Jewish community, and it's run by the Jewish community. But Fairview is a black community that's in the town of Greenberg. And you know how it goes. When we did this project, it had nothing to do with the Jewish race. It wasn't even a thought of our mind. It was about our history, bringing icons and, and leaders that we thought was important to our community. And it's under an underpass. And we felt that we we're going to make this dry underpass that looked like a dungeon. And Kendall and, his, and the artists on his team made it a beautiful art. It's like a museum now. We didn't even get a chance to go to the other side because the Jewish community and Paul Feiner is a supervisor of the town of Greenberg with 92,000 people in this town. And Fairview is a black, predominantly black area in Greenberg. And he wanted to tell us who 
our leaders are. He was upset because of he have a deep, deep hate for the minister. He called me up and told me that it was the worst thing he ever saw in the 33 years of being supervisor. Picture that. This man been a supervisor of a town for 33 years, and he had to run every two years, okay? And he said that, man, I told him, I said, so black art is hatred to you? He said he's embarrassed, it's despicable. He went on and on. So I've got Kendall. And Kendall and the artists were spending 13 hours in 90 degrees heat. Everybody in the black community and beyond who come under this underpass talk about how amazing his talent is and his artwork. But all they were able to, all Paul Finder and the town board, the town board have two black council people, Gina Jackson and Ken Jones. And they really ain't advocating for the community. And we were threatened. We came to a meeting and he said, Ken Jones, they send him, you know how they always send the black person to the black neighborhood. And he told us that no matter what, he's coming down. But Kendall have a contract with them. Kendall staying strong. I'm going to let Kendall do a little bit of talking if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, Brother Kendall, um, you hear all this controversy around your artwork and Believe me, the, the pictures I've seen from the television report, I mean, it, it's beautiful. And you've transformed that, look like an underpass, into, a, just like Brother Clifton said, a museum. When you hear these people talking about, and, and, and I think uh, your volume might be up in the background, Brother Kendall, just, just turn it down because it's, it's a feedback. When you hear these people threatening to paint over something that you have spent uh, your uh, a portion of your life. No matter if it's two weeks, two months, two minutes. When, when you hear people talking, uh, threatening to paint over your work, would, uh, tell me how that resonated with you when you even heard that type of talk. Brother Kendo. Yeah, man. Um, uh, brother Elliot, and Brother Richard, again, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, when, when, when that was actually, when the way it was stated to me was, uh, extortive. So naturally, you know, I, I wasn't happy. And, um, you know, the first thing that I thought about was all of the people that it took to make this thing happen. And, you know, initially I figured that it was, uh, something that we could kind of move forward with. Um, internally, and I thought that I was going to be able to film and uh, document everything for a docu-series that I was doing on the wall and be able to expose the people who did what they did that way. But um, this thing has actually spilled out. It's gotten into the public, and in doing so, you know, my feelings have kind of been brought to the surface because, you know, I did everything that I could to keep the project moving forward. As Clifton alluded to, you know, there wasn't much help or oversight from anybody other than Clifton and uh, Sarah Bracey White. Uh, uh, people on the mural subcommittee uh, were, were pretty attentive to the artist's the, uh, needs with uh, the lack of help that we received and the amount of time that we had to spend at the wall. So, you know, after going through all of that and not seeing the people in the town um, 
board who were making these decisions, you know, after seeing them while they were making these decisions and not when, you know, the artists uh, needed anything to push the project forward successfully, you know, just to be able to bring some water down, possibly, (laughs) you know, we didn't see anybody. And it's not like the town hall is far. It's actually in walking distance from the mural. So, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the feelings that are being represented by, you know, members of the town board and, you know, the council, it seems a little disingenuous because if there was uh, this level of outrage, you would think in the two weeks when the the minister was on the wall, somebody would have said something, uh, you know, pulled this up to the side, what have you, or maybe even talked to us to kind of like work towards an agreement. But all of the artists that worked on this project, because it was a group effort, you know, spearheaded by Cliff, but it was a group effort as far as the artists. I was just uh, one with the idea, but there was a lot of artists that brought it to, to fruition. Um, and what it came down to was all of these artists having to overextend themselves because of a lack of um, support from the town. So, yes, naturally I was incensed and I was not happy. But um, my initial reasoning to kind of move forward with uh image of the Million Man March or brother, um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was to kind of like just bridge a a gap and be able to come to a a armistice because it was clear that the problem was being made about Minister Farrakhan. Like I said, there was so much that was on that wall and it was conveyed to me and to Clifton and to the artists that they wouldn't receive their funding that was promised to them and the project would likely be shut down if the minister wasn't taken off the wall. So, you know, I, I offered up the Million Man March as a alternative and um, I was told that that would not be going up on the wall as well. Um, Clifton and I spoke about that and we spoke about, you know, how much this mural meant to the people in the community and who it was for. You know, the town of Fairview is is pretty small regarding uh, the melanated population and the fact that the melanated population has such a... Uh, a connection to what we were doing and why we were doing it, that they actually influenced certain people that were on the mural. It made it so much more like richer and organic. And none of the people that were put onto the wall <laughs> went through any town board, you know, approval. They didn't have a problem with any of that. It was only one particular person. So, you know, after trying to compromise and after them saying no, you know, it became clear to me that I had to make a decision and, you know, I, I, I talked with all the artists and me and Clifton kind of sit, sat down about it. And it was like, you know, I'm I'm refusing to pretty much stand up to censorship. So I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm refusing to bat down a censorship. Rather. I'm, 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 I'm trying to stand up to it with Clifton. Richard, before I go back, uh, Brother Kendo, I think your, the volume was up on your speakers because it's kind of feeding back. Good. Uh, just, just you don't have to mute it necessarily, but you can just turn your your the volume down, uh, brother Richard. Before I go go back to brother Clifton and 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 uh, and get AJ involved, uh, talk uh, jump in here because I know you want to have some things to say to uh, to both brother Kendo and brother Clifton. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm yeah, um, one, I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, brother Kendo that of uh, the position that you take you're taking um, in relationship to censorship and, 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 that. and I'm, and I'm interested in just 
the project and you said organic, use the term organic. So I'm interested in the selection process and how you and the other artists, um, the prototype. But before I go there, if Elliot, if I can, Brother Clifton, because I'm trying to get a handle on the politics. And I think that's important for us. We're, we're, we're constantly on time for awakening, exploring and developing the politics within our communities. So can you help me, um, Fairview, which is, is that a town within, what's that, Greenboro? Yes, which, Greenberg. Greenberg. So, it's white, you know, you know, White Plains, New York? Uh, yeah. Uh, don't, hey, Green, look. Okay, excuse me. Okay. That's okay, excuse me. Greenberg is like 10 minutes from White Plains, New York. Yeah. But we are... Greenberg is like it have Fairview Greenberg, then you have Hartsdale, Arsley, Dosbury, Edgemont, Irvington, Hastings. Those are river town of the town of Greenberg. But Fairview is the black area, the African American predominantly. So okay. each of those villages that I named, they have their own mayor in their own recreation, but part of their um, village paid taxes to Greenberg. So Greenberg consists of like almost 92,000, but Fairview is, is a, is a predominantly black area. Well, let me, let me ask, uh, um, in, in dealing with the politics and I, and I do, um, brother AJ, I'm not, I'm not excluding you in this discussion or uh, clarifying. So, when we talk about this person, and you have to um, give me his name again, mm-hmm. um, basically elected, right? So thirty something years was Fairview always in favor, um, or as far as when we talk about the election process and the numerical outcome of the election process, meaning black people elect um, being a part of electing this person was black people always um, a lo- you know in favor of this person in relationship to their voting for him yes okay. he always won fairview because he he he's an excellent politician you know he poli- he, he he's on the front line politics and every day he give people his home phone number you know he called himself the problem solver but for the last 15 years, he had been doing nothing for the Fairview community. And I think this mural is showing people who he really is. And they're getting to see another side of him. And now people are talking about running somebody against him because when he made his decision to take the minister down, that's in a black neighborhood under underpass, he never considered the black um, voters that voted him in. He just he he all he talked about was the Jewish community, how they don't like him, and I kept on saying to him, but it's in a black community, and they would have to come into the black community, into the hood, under an underpass to even see this. And when I first came up with under the underpass, people said, "Why are you doing it under the underpass? It's, nobody's going to be able to see it, but everybody knows about it now." Mm. And, and brother uh, Kendall, uh, um, 
in in the the, the development of the, the the theme of the um, historical um, representation that um, you and the other artists um, define should be a part of this mural. Um, can you assist in how, what was that discussion about? How did the people who come, um, how did the people who were identified, um, how did that process for y'all to say, even to the point, and I understand you mentioned about the Million Man March, that Minister Farrakhan should be a part of that pantheon. Uh, what was that discussion about? I think that would be interesting for us also. Yeah, um, when when the idea was initially uh, started by Cliff, like about two years ago, there was already um, an understanding of what was supposed to go up. I guess the town board and the mural subcommittee kind of came to an agreement on, um, you know, what the theme of the project would be. Uh, there was an initial sketch by uh, uh, one of the artists who actually dropped out. And it, it had showed, um, I guess, a a timeline of events, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to kind of state it, that would, uh, you know, compartmentalize the melanated experience in America. And it was done a little uh, rigidly, but when it was shown to me, there was also a bunch of... Um, information to pull from. There was a pool of information that was provided by Clifton and the subcommittee and, you know, it, you know, touched on, uh, you know, the Black Panther movement. It touched on, um, you know, commit. It touched on uh, just the people that you do see on the wall. It touched on a lot of different aspects. So was, I was, already had... Was, hmm? was Minister Farrakhan a part of that initiative? No, originally he wasn't, but this wasn't um this wasn't really done the way that it was supposed to be because of the lack of help that we got and to understand that like you got to understand like the fact that this wall is humongous mm-hmm. and for what was yeah. being asked there was an understanding that there was going to be uh, a certain amount of artists to carry that out those artists were supposed to use their artistic expression to kind of fill in the gaps of what we already had uh, drawn up in the first draft. Okay. Now there was an understanding that there was going to be more people, more faces that would be put in, and we were given the ability to choose those faces. So, yeah. you know, to speak back to what you were talking about with the organic nature of it, um, we would have residents come up naturally. You know, like you in the hood, like people gonna be like, oh, like I don't see X, Y, and Z up there. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, right, you know. <laughs> it's like okay well who is he let me know and that process happened a lot easier because there was so few artists it was pretty much only about on average maybe three or four artists at a time for that whole entire wall wow. so I didn't really have to delegate I, I came into that project as a foreman mm. and and right. it did not pan out that way because of the oversight of the town so I had to keep putting more of myself into the project and we already had established that that was okay. So I made sure, okay, there's nothing up there is going to be, you know, graphic. We're not going to do nothing that my, I have an 11 year old daughter. I'm like, I'm not going to put nothing up there that she is going to be bothered by. I'm going to put stuff up there that is going to lead to a conversation and educate. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I did that. So, yeah. 
from what I from what I you did. And I just want to if I may um and brother Clifton. Um brother AJ. Brother AJ. Um and brother Ken, yeah. Um brother AJ, as a journalist and an observer, professional observer, um how how what is your uh take in seeing this unfold um from a political perspective? Um how how do we for the time for awakening, how do we um should we look at it from your point of view? Well, well, two things. So out of, out of um, Westchester has 43 municipalities. Greenberg was the only municipality to have a strong, you know, everybody was using the words Black Lives Matter, but they had a sign that said all lives cannot matter till Black Lives Matter, which was like the boldest statement in the county. Then, you know, some of the, some of the um, municipalities, Yonkers and some other places, painted the words Black Lives Matter on the street. And in Yonkers, you can barely see that anymore two years later. <clears throat> what this mural is, is, is un, no other municipality in Westchester is doing anything like this. It is a celebration of Black life, Black protests, and for me, it became, um, it became, as Kendo said, censorship. It became a continuation of our history of white people telling us who we can and cannot celebrate. Um, you know, like we have to approve, they have to approve our images. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what it became for me. And, 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 and the town supervisor, and for people outside of Westchester, so for towns, towns have supervisors like cities have mayors. So for the town supervisor, who is a Jewish man who actually has hate towards Farrakhan, to use a lot of outdated arguments, like Farrakhan said that Hitler was a, a great man. Hitler's, Farrakhan said what... What Hitler did to build Germany up from nothing was great, but you can't call it great. You got to call it wicked because of the things he did and said he was wickedly great. And the New York Times in 1994 wrote Farrakhan called Hitler a great man. And, and white Jewish people have been running with that ever since. Then, you know, uh, Paul Feiner had a problem that uh, Farrakhan said Jews were involved in slavery and they were involved in slavery in the slave trade and they were slave owners. So he was like, you know, Farrakhan has called some Jews um, um, evil and say satanic or whatever. Well, when you have somebody who has their foot on your neck um, for, for hundreds of years, building free, um, build, build wealth from free labor off your backs, owning and trading you like, like, like you're not even human. Um, you, how would you look at that person as somebody evil? You, you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, as, huh? Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. I, and and, and I, to be honest, um, their positioning, I, I don't. I, I try not to give it even any credence, but I want to understand, um, get clarity. I want the time for awakening audience and myself included, and you know, to understand. Um, what was said in relationship to this point about censorship, this point about electing people who don't represent your interests, the, the point about how long it takes us. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in how Fairview from a, as a political unit, because this, as I'm hearing, is people are responding, they gave this, how are we, you know, how are our mindset to this? 
because we know how their mindset is. How are our mindset? That's why I'm trying to get a handle. You know, um, brother, was, it, oh, I'm sorry, AJ, go ahead. And Greenberg, like other places in Westchester, like other places in this country, white politicians come around, promising us, you know, giving us popcorn, mm-hmm. peanuts, and cracker jacks around the time of election, you know, giving us basketball tournaments and you know stuff like that to that nature, you know, they're like, oh, we love the black people, we down with the black people, you know what I'm saying? And black people keep falling for the banana in the tailpipe and voting for these people, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things we do in Black Westchester is try to educate. Our, our people, uh, you know, on the importance of their black vote. You know what I'm saying? They're not, not just throwing it away because somebody said they're going to give you. Every other group of people, they got to go to them and say, and see what it is that they want for their vote. You know what I'm saying? They got to, okay, so, but with black people, they just they just take our vote for granted. And then, you know, we, we're left at the, afterwards, after we done voted for them, asking for what we're going to have. And this dude's been there 33 years and, you know, you get complacent after a certain time. You get set in your ways more and more. And what used to work 20 years ago is not working now. So it, it is time for him to go. And we played a role in several elections around the county, um, the DA and so other certain people. We're, we're going to, once they find, once they identify a, a, a qualified candidate, we're going to get Black Westerners going to get 100% behind them to get this guy out of there. He, he has to go. And, Brother Richard, can I see this, that, this is an awakening uh, broadcast. Greenberg is not asleep. They in a coma. You know, when it comes to political and, and voting for people, um, we have the, um, during the newscast for Channel 2, 7, all of them came, the Jewish community put up statements saying about they want Farrakhan don't deserve to be on there. They all supported that Farrakhan to take them down. Now, one local organization spoke up to keep them up. I'm talking about the NAACP. I'm talking about the Black Political Caucus woman, the Westchester Black men. They need to all take Black off their name because when it comes to asking, I asked them for their support, the first thing they said to me, well, we got to look and hear both sides. When the Jewish community had no problem sending a statement saying, take them down. So this is what we're up against in, in Greenberg, you know, that they are so comfortable being told who they should vote for, who they should um, respect. It's, it's they in a coma. And, and they've been going on for a long time. I, I did want to say one thing, Cliff, to what you said. The... Westchester Black Women's Political Caucus is the only one that actually gave a strong worded statement, and, and we put it out. We 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 we, we published it. Um, right. Um, but, but as far as you're concerned, what you're saying, the Greenberg chapter of the NAACP right. was quiet. Um, right. The two black um, council members on the council <clears throat> were quiet. Um, yeah. um, you know, there's other organizations like there was like where where was the outrage and and I, and, I, and it's not just Greenberg. It's you know we deal with this all over Westchester and in, in, in New York. Where the black organizations, you know, we get outraged when a black person is killed by police. But where we where is the outrage for, for other things like this? This is very important. You know what I'm saying? We don't speak. And what happens is, and they and they and they're smart. What happens is a lot of big name advocates. And, 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 and critics like myself, they give them government jobs. I have been offered government jobs on the local level, on the county level, on the state level, and the, the purpose of that was to shut me up. So then now I can't criticize the person paying me. 
You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so that's, you know, they give them government jobs with benefits and stuff. And then, you know, people, people scared to lose all that. So they don't say nothing. They exactly. say it to you. They say it to you, you know, privately, but they won't publicly say anything. Hey, hey Elliot, um, to, to, to what brother AJ, you know, I have mentioned to you about this clip and they were talking about the 14th amendment equal protection and it's just a minute and so. But the question I have, you know, um, if, if I'm allowed to play the clip is, I'm wondering, since this guy has been in 32 years, whether, again, the question that we always ask, is this because there's another generation um, um, becoming more politically conscious? But can I just play this clip to the point that Brother AJ just made? Certainly. Um, um, and, and hopefully it comes across. Um, this. And again, this was a discussion. They were talking about the 14th Amendment, but um, something that um, um, this – a scholar um, who did a, a biography on Frederick Douglass and in and, and, and a conference he was at, um, how he was approached by two black bureaucrats. The 150th anniversary of the original Freedmen's Convention, which occurred in September 1865. It originally met in, in an AME church, a black AME church in Raleigh. It's still the same church. We had this all-day celebration of the original Freedmen's Convention. That convention walked right up the street to the North Carolina Capitol at that time, 150 years ago, and presented a whole document of their rights, their liberties, and so on, particularly the right to vote. That state is undergoing, still undergoing, it was then, still is the McCrory case. This is the governor of North Carolina trying to enforce their, really the most restrictive mm -hmm. voter suppression law of all of the states that have done these things. Here's a I brought it up in my talk. And this was this was a bipartisan. There were some Republicans there. There were Democrats there. Blacks, whites. It was all to be a nice celebration. <laughs> and I brought this thing up. I said, in your own state, folks. And we talking about living legacies, living legacies. And we're At the coffee break, a couple of black bureaucrats, I mean, and I mean that positively, they work in the state government. They came over to me after in the coffee and said, uh, you know, we don't really talk about that publicly. <laughs> well, we can't really give it our job. But you, you know, you're right. We should be really fighting this. But just, we don't really, you can't really do that publicly. What? And it became a cross. But um, to what you said, Brother AJ, they said they can't do it publicly. This is about voting rights in North Carolina. Right. This, this is something... And and I think, uh, Brother Elliot, that you raise even with non-governmental organizations, individuals who feel they can't speak about something. I, I do want to I do want to add and and, and 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 to add on to what Cliff said and what this this video said and that clip said. Um, it's also the black churches. You know, all the black pastors were silent and. You know, I, I won't call out any particular church that's in the area. Um, and, 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 and we were having a conversation about why all the black pastors in Westchester are silent. Some of them get money from the, the county. You know what I'm saying? Funding from the county for their, for their, for their daycares or whatever the projects they have. And, and, and they don't want to risk that. So they don't, they don't speak up. And, and, you know, everybody wants to talk about Martin Luther King. You know, that back then, that's what the, the black church did. The black church was our, where we gathered, where we 
we we we build and 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 we got our message out and black pastors have been silent on this issue in Greenberg and White Plains and all the surrounding areas and I'm disappointed with all of them. You know, um let me say this before we take a break and when we come back we got some callers that have been waiting and I'm going to get them right on. Uh Brother Clifton, uh, Brother AJ, and, and Brother Kendo. Uh, when I first saw the clip that was sent to me by Brother Maurice Carver, I immediately tried to reach out to Brother Clifton and find some type of contact for him. And when I was unsuccessful at the time, I saw in a published report uh, something about the NAACP had been mentioned. So I called and found a number for the president, in uh, Westchester, uh, excuse me, in Greenberg, uh, uh, Janice Griffith. Yes. And when I called her and asked her first, because I thought I was going to be unsuccessful reaching Brother Clifton, I asked her to come on the program and talk about this issue. And she told me, well, it's a lot of different sides to this, and I've been instructed not to get involved. Now, when she said that to me, I wanted to jump at what she said, because if you just look look at it on the surface, the NAACP is an organization that's supposed to represent black people and their interests. So what are you talking about? You've been instructed not to get involved. Now, I didn't because I wanted to try to get some information from her. So I let it go by. But once I once I was able to. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, brother Wilson. I will. I will, I will say, and and I've been very, I've been very outspoken. Hazel Duke, um, who is the leader, um, I, I don't know if that's New York State or nationally, but she's definitely New York State. She has she has censored and silenced other chapters from speaking up on certain issues. Um, I, I, I dealt with that in Yonkers. She tried to censor the, the Yonkers chapter for speaking up on uh, uh, the mayor there uh, making a comment about the a black congressman. That you know, because of the way he voted, he should have been arrested because of the way he voted, and 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 and, and the NAACP was going to make a, a statement, and Hazel Duke silenced them. So that is a real thing. Hazel Dukes, that's that they do that in New York. Well, you know, <laughs> brother AJ, I don't want to say they do it in New York. I think they do it nationally to black people. Well, they, do it nationally. they definitely do it nationally, but I think I'm I'm speaking specifically I understand. calling out Hazel Dukes. Well, I think is the head of New York. So I, I, you know, but no, it's definitely not just New York, though. And 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 what the clips show, and I just have to add this: what the clips show, it isn't just the non-governmental organizations like NAACP. And as you said, um, as you were saying, because um, I, I hear even this year, um, brother Ken Jones, who's on on in that on the uh, what he's. He's a part of the town board. You you know, in that clip, they were saying these are bureaucrats. So it's a class of black people who mm-hmm. are not representing black people and black people interests. And Brother Kendo is saying, as an artist, he's getting response from black people organically. Uh, what about such and such? What about such and such? So black people know who symbolically are their representation as far as leadership. But then you have this other group or individual who's representing this other, because 
that interest he's representing is another group. It's not black people's interest. It's right. clear. It's right. clear. It's another group. A lot, of them, a, lot of them are, a lot of them are Negro peons. Um, the only thing black about them is their skin. They're they're they're, they're black people with with uh, European ideology. Uh, um, you know what I'm saying? They they're not they're not they're not us. They're not for us. Hey, but everybody who's not our skin folk is not our kin folk. Oh, here we are, where we have to. You know, we're looking at um, artists political, I mean, community organizers and the community itself is being um, not just what is the symbolic representation, even the funding is being called in question. That's political, that like black people don't play, pay taxes. I'll stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. mm. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, like I said, it's, it's been called as waiting on the line. I'm going to get them involved in the conversation. Uh, you can get involved in the conversation with a question or comment. You can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. 
Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. Just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me have held out radiant promises of progress I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And, uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over a hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them.
And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you called me a nationalist because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House, you can even put him in his, he'll still be a Tom. You can put them anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. encourage let me just say this before our time winds up and that is i want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from roots it's entitled something like breaking kunta kente that scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in who's the plantation master sitting in his office and then Fiddler comes in and says um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kinte has just run away and been caught and um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. 
This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 920 on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we go to the phones, Richard, um, I always like play that clip with Cynthia McKinney at the end. Uh, you know, th- th- what we see happening to Brother Kendo, Brother Clifton, Brother AJ is similar to the parable that she gave in that clip, Richard. Yeah. Uh, Kunta being beaten, a black man beating him along with a white man, and dozens of our people standing there watching. (laughs) See, we can't be guilty now. We cannot be guilty. That was 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Our ancestors were enslaved. We can't be guilty now of sitting back, standing, watching. We can't sit back and watch an artist like Brother Kendo that wants to paint images of our people and being forced to do something different or threatened in future contracts or even a job. We can't sit back and watch Brother Clifton, who is a community organizer and getting money for different projects in the black community, and it's a threat over him about we ain't giving you this if you don't do that. That's tantamount to a man being beaten. We can't stand back and watch this anymore. We have to be involved. Brother AJ and him is doing their part, him and Brother Damon, is putting these stories out there and information out there. Because you're not going to hear this on some of these popular shows. The, the, the Golden Eagle on Sirius. Al Sharpton, who's from New York. Some of these other shows, they're not going to talk about these issues. They're not. And if, if they talk about them, they'll talk around them. For sure. We got mm-hmm. to do what we can as a responsible black populace because this stuff might be going on in Greenberg, but it's going to happen in your community tomorrow. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? It's an issue of black people's self-respect. And I'm going to take a page from uh, the Black Westchester Magazine. It's an issue of black people's self-respect. Let's go to a, a, a few of these callers that's been waiting uh, patiently online. Let's start with 4444. Four, four. Hey, hey, Yehudu. Hey, my man, all you got to do is go to the closest mosque, NOI, okay? They'll send some fruits of Islam. That's a picture of the military, ain't it? I guarantee them brothers of God that picture, man. Right, you got the soldiers right there, man. This is simple, man. That right there is a simple no-brainer for me, man. That's what I do, man, tomorrow morning. Okay, go to the closest mob, you know, show up what you got, and then them brothers, FOI, be right there. Put some cameras up, some security right there, and guarantee them devils won't mess with that, man. That's simple right there. 
I, instead of worrying about what's up with Ellie, you doing your thing, man. Forget about what them other niggas ain't doing. Ellie, do your thing, man. <laughs> I, that's what I keep trying to tell you. Do your thing, man. You doing your thing, bro. You coordinate, man. You coordinate, man. I got to get to you, bro. You coordinate tonight, Elliot. You just like uh, putting on a damn plaid pants and a, and a striped shirt, bro. You coordinate, man. So I got to give you your flowers while you're here. You coordinate, man. Damn the mother niggas what they ain't doing, man. And to my man in Mississippi, man, my man, uh, 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 I want to talk to them. Because Reverend Pete, you got the answer right there, man. So I was glad you took. You should told them niggas they got their marching orders. Do what Rep Pinkney say, man. Instead of complaining about what they ain't getting done, get the water to the people, okay? Get the water to the people, man. And Rep Pinkney done laid it out, man. I mean, well, it's, it's simple now. We get the answers now, man, to what we should do, man. Well, let me let me say let me say this before I move on. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's it's it's, and we got to realize it's deeper than just Minister Farrakhan. They conveniently yes, attacked right. him, but it's deeper than that. Because, you know, I was talking I to Brother Clifton, and he talked mm-hmm. about um, that they plan to do both sides of that under that, free, that underpass. He said, what mm-hmm. happens on the other side when they decide to put an image up there of Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey? Are they going to say, oh, we don't want that also? So if, yeah, if our right, people right. been, I mean, I, if I was them, I, I put up a picture of black Jesus too, man. The real black Jesus, man. Put that up and tell them Jews they faking us out, man. They they garbage, man. They Kazarian mafias faking everything out, man. They garbage. They time up, man. I put up a picture of the Messiah up there too, man. That's my brother. Well, That's look. what I do. And Mary and the Virgin Mary and all that make it all black, man. Well, we, okay? uh, listen, That's what we, I do. Well, we huh? we got some other calls waiting. I'm gonna try to get some of these other ones. Thank right you. Right on, brother. You handle your business, man. Do your thing. Shut that barbershop down. Let you run the barbershop. And you, and then you, just, oh, you got two jobs, man. You doing your thing, man. You coordinate, man. Bro, you doing your thing. God bless you, y'all. You, we on port now, man. Talk to you. All right, we at war, man. Ain't no, ain't no more time to BS them. We at war, man. All right, peace and blessings. Keep your fist ball up, man. Talk to you. Thank you Brother for your Ellie, Can I say this real fast? Yes, sir. Um, we doing a protest um, rally Friday the 9th under the underpass. We got the nation. We got churches from the Bronx. We got people coming from different places in New York Good. showing up. You know, I, was, I just want to put that out there. I was, at 630. Um, September Friday. the 9th. Yeah, I was going to mention that, Brother Clifton. Okay. And also, uh, it's a phone number for people that are interested. Uh, I'll read the phone number here if you want me to. Yes. Uh, 215-914. I'm just excuse, 215. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused here. Uh, the area code is 914-564-6043. That's 914-564-6043. If you need directions, if you want to take a bus up there, if you want to come from Philly to go up there to support the brothers and sisters, that's the number, the contact number. It's going to be on September the 9th, which is Friday at 630. Thank you. Right at the, mu- the mural. Uh, let's let's go to a couple more of these and get some call- callers on here. Let's go to oh, a Philly number. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah. Yes, are you there? Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear the number. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I... I 
Well, I, I just wanted to say that you know, I get tired of these so-called Jews, these white people that don't do nothing for black people. They don't, they don't teach us the knowledge and stuff. They ain't in, in, our, in the black community um, trying to uh, stop black on black crime or, or give us any ec- economic uh, uh, plans or anything like that. And they got a nerve to talk about Farrakhan. All they doing is like Minister Farrakhan said, they're using that title Jew to shield their dirty practice. You know, they, they got 90% involvement in the slave trade. So how can you call him a, 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 a Hitler lover when you, when, when you, you um, are worse than Hitler, which you did to us? You see, and, 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 we, and, and we, we, we could give them, give them their little money back for, 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 for putting uh, Minister Farrakhan up if they gave the, the brother money or whatever, but we can get a GoFundMe and, and give them their money and tell them to go to hell and they better not touch that, 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 that mural. You know, um, they got a nerve to talk about uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan and, and they using the title Jew which means that you have a special covenant with God, but you over there kicking the Palestinians up, they behind and murdering them. You don't have no, you don't have no special covenant with God. You got a special covenant with the, with the devil, Satan, the God of evil and wickedness. And I get tired of that. Like the NAACP, they ran by the Jews. They're established by the Jews. That's why the blacks don't have no heresy. Anytime, uh, like, uh, even Mr. Rodney, he was, uh, chapter in what Philly, Right, he had a, a cartoon about some Pecklewood Jews or something, and they try to make him apologize. Nick Cannon, you worth sixty million dollars, and you're going to apologize because you said that um, people should listen to Minister Farrakhan's July Fourth uh, uh, lecture. Is you crazy? What are you apologizing for? See, it's like Minister Farrakhan said. A lot of these black leaders and and, and famous blacks. You got the balls the size of, of, of raisins. Minister Farrakhan, he got balls the size, the, the size of watermelons. That's how you got to be. You can't be, these Jews, you don't see no so-called synagogues in the black community having uh, meetings with black people. They don't, they don't have no um, um, uh, relationships with us except when it comes for making money. That's all, they, they rob us of, 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 the, of the riches. That's all they end up. We should boycott all the holidays. It, 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 the Bible say, come out of her, my people. That means come out of these crackers' ways. Stop believing in a political system. It, you know, Thomas Jefferson talked about separation. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said that we need to be separated. When, when Elijah Muhammad and Minister Farrakhan talk about separation, then we, started, we start using the B word. You know what that means, bitching. You see what I'm saying? That's the only solution. Integration ain't going to work. We'll never get no justice from them. But I, I think I'm, I'm like a lot the brother gave, uh, uh, put, put Minister Farrakhan up there. But what the hell is we're taking that damn thing down? Give them their little two goddamn dollars. We pay taxes any damn way. We should, we should all, all black should file tax exempt and then see what they would do. But it's going, it's, going, it's going to come down to separate. I'm talking about they're going to have to give us eight to ten states you look at this weather, we in that movie, The Ten Commandments, right now. Minister Farrakhan went to him and said, look, you don't, do, you don't let us go. This is going to happen. Now, earthquakes, floods all over the damn place, heat waves and stuff. They keep it up. God came here to separate us, you know, from, from the, the modern pharaohs of Egypt, which is America. And we're the children of Israel. But some of us 
which are, are coons and times, and we, we, we don't want to separate from the, uh, uh, the white man. Anytime a, a, a white police officer comes in and shoots a brother, talking about, oh, I made a mistake. I thought it was my apartment. And then the brother want to give the, the white woman a hug. That's all I have to say. Thanks for your contribution, brother. Let's go to 602. 602. Yes, my brothers. Good evening. You're on fire tonight. You're on fire. Well, you know, them damn Jews, man, you know. Why the hell they don't go, go talk about Henry Ford? Why they don't talk about Henry Ford, that anti-Semitic who wrote the, that book, the, uh, what they have, the protocols, as I am, I think. Why they don't talk about him? Why they don't talk about Benjamin Franklin and what Benjamin Franklin said about them? You see, when you bring those things, they run. See, them Jews run when you tell them that. You see, because they know that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant ready to rip him apart. You see? But that's what that Jew do. He use black people as a buffer. He use us as the buffer between himself and the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I don't expect nothing better from them Jews. It was a Jewish judge that sent Garvey to, 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 to prison. Judge Julian Mack and a Jewish prosecutor. And as the people said, NAACP, core, urban league, they are financed by them Jews, but it's time for us to tell them Jews to hell with what you saying, you know, capable, because we have we have experienced you already. You know, we know the role you play in secret relationship between blacks and Jews. We are sick and tired, and them Negroes that you they have flunking, we sick and tired of them too. Anyway, keep on keeping on, good brothers. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Let's go to 662. 662? No, you say you want me. Let me put them back on. I don't think they're ready. Let's go to 505. 505? Uh, yes, uh, excellent show. I agree with everything the callers say concerning this uh image of Farrakhan in, uh, what's, what's that, Fairview? Fair, Fair Greenberg. In Greenberg, Fairview, the community of Fairview in Greenberg, uh, New York. Okay, yes. I, I played ball up there years ago, and uh, it's pretty pretty much, uh, t- it's, it's like, uh, it's, it always been my, I haven't been up there in years, but it always reminds me of South Africa, the way the uh, black people up there uh, are surrounded. In Fairview, uh, in the in the town of Greenberg, they they it's like uh, like they're under house arrest or something up there. You know, when I was up, this was we talking thirty years ago. But I agree with all the callers that called in. You know, I mean, in terms of uh, Minister Farrakhan being attacked because uh, they have this mural, whatever the, the situation is. No matter whenever you try to express your feelings about. What you want is always always be attacked. It's as simple as that. It's the same thing with these these uh, Native Americans out here in the, in the Southwest, in New Mexico, Utah, Colorado. They on these they call them pueblos now, but they on these reservations. They're, they're reservations, but they call them pueblos. 
it's the same thing with the black community in Fairview and Greenberg. You know, they're like off, they got them off to themselves, surrounded by all these people, and you're not supposed to have any opinion about what you want to do because you don't exist. That's a it's simple, great show. It's just simple as that. That's all I got to tell you, man. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Thank you. Let's go to 267. 267. Good evening, Brother Elliot. How you doing, my brother? How are you, sir? He's going for hey, Brother Richard, Brother Clifton, Brother Kendall, and Brother AJ, and Brother Damon. How, how are y'all beautiful brothers doing tonight? Good, mate. Good, beloved. Doing well, brother. Thank you, sir. Doing well, my brother. Uh, praise be to Allah. Let me say this, brothers. You know, let me take it from this context right here. Like, first, like Brother Elliot said a few minutes ago, you know, it just amazes me. Black folks pay taxes just like these so-called white Jews. They pay taxes. Black people pay taxes, too. When we law-abiding people, we send our children to school, we pay our taxes. Who the hell is you to sit there and say what that you can't have a mural minister for? Can we pay taxes just like these so-called white Jews pay? But let me say, put this in context, brothers. You know, both of my parents are from the South. My father is from Lynchburg, Virginia. My mother is from Hobgood, North Carolina. A little, it's like it, it's a little small town, not too far from Rocky Mount. And I say all that, brothers, to say this: my father, my late father, is buried in a cemetery. As well as my grandmother, which is which is which is his mother, as well as some of my aunts and uncles and cousins, they buried in our family church, which is called Antioch Baptist Church. And that's our family church down in Lynchburg, Virginia. And guess what, uh, Brother Kendall and AJ and Brother Damon and Brother Clifton, that church is on a road of a, of a, of two white racist murderers. You know, it's like mm. a so-called Jew. Having a, a, a cemetery on Hitler Way. Well, this 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 church where my family members remains are buried is on Lee on Jackson Lee Highway in Lynchburg, Virginia. And Jackson Lee, that's what that stands for is these two racist white bastards, Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee. My family's remains is on is, is on that road, and so and it's been and it's been and it's been for years that road. And them, them devils named that after them two racist, murdering Confederate slave owners for years has been named that. And yet my family is, I don't have none of these white Jews saying how wrong that is. But you got the damn nerve to sit there and tell me about Minister Farrakhan, who don't have no history of killing no Jews, persecuting no Jews. You're going to tell, you're going to tell our people we hey, can't have a murder. About I'm sorry. No, I said true story. My, my apologies. No, no problem. No, no problem, good brother. And I'm just saying it in closing in this, and that the nerve of you to sit there and tell our people, we can't remember of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. When my, when my, when my son remains, got to be, be on the damn road named after two devils like Stonewall Jackson and Robert A. Lee. How dare you? And you know, Brother Clifton, early in the program, you made a very good point. I hope the time from the week and listeners was listen. How these white Jews, and I try to be very careful with that, when I say white Jews, Zionists, these Zionists, racist bastards, because see, I know some white Jews that don't feel that way, but they true and far between. But these white racist Zionists, their attitude is like a paternal. It's a disrespected paternal, paternal attitude towards black. They only tell, come after black people with that stuff. And the reason why I say that, Brother Clifton, you made that point about how they always tell, tell our people who we can support, who we can call a leader or whatever like that. 20-something years ago, I know, I know y'all brothers are familiar with Bev Smith. She's the sister used to do the, the show on uh, BET called Our Voices. Well, here in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, she used to host a syndicated show. 
here on the old radio station that's not in existence no more, uh, WHAT, 1340 AM. Well, 20, 25 years ago, she invited the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to speak in Pittsburgh because Bab show originally from Pittsburgh. The, the minister gladly accepted that he, he would speak there as, as I guess. Well, the Jewish community got wind of that. And the Jewish rabbi, and this won't the time for listeners to understand carefully, this is how they, how they had no respect for us because, like Dr. King, don't let nobody. A bad care around your back if you don't. And too often, these, this so called black misleadership kowtow to these white Jews, and this is why black people get no respect. And, so, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm so glad your brother's standing up because this, this guy's got to stop and they got to stop now. Because if it don't stop now, I don't want to hear no more about well, how some Asians disrespected us or how some Arabs or something. If we don't stand up to these white Jews now with this thing with Minister Furkan, I tell you, we're losing your audio. Can you, hear me? Can you hear me now? I hear you now. Uh, yeah, because yeah, we don't stand up now. It's bigger than Minister Furrican. It could be Gabriel Prosser next. Now, if, we don't, if we don't stand up now and take a principled stance. And the reason why I say this about the Bev Smith thing, when she invited the minister to speak, a Jewish rabbi took out an ad inside the Pittsburgh newspaper. I think it was the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And, he, and his editor, this is what he said to, about Miss Smith. He said, how dare Bev Smith invite Louis Farrakhan to speak without getting her without getting our permission. You heard what I said, brothers? Our permission. And I'm saying to myself, who the hell do you think you're talking to? You know, he, he referred to Bev Smith and, and really black people in, in, in particular, like we children. Let, let me ask you this, brother Clifton and Kendall and, and brother AJ. When, when, when that murderer come over to America, Benjamin Netanyahu, that murderer of Palestinian men, women, and children, for that APEC, do, do they, do, do Brother Clifton, have you ever got a call from the Jews saying, do you think it's okay that we can invite Benjamin not yeah. to speak? Did they ever call you and say, can we get your permission, Brother Kendall or, or, or Mr. AJ or Mr. Clifton? Have you ever, have you ever got the call from them? All right, and that's my point. They don't give a damn whether we like it or not, but yet they invite this murder over here every year. And, and since he's gone, it's one that they took over for Netanyahu. He'll be over here speaking to APEC this year or next year or whatever. My point is that they, this is the way they talk to black people because we let it happen, man. It's about time this stuff ends and it has to end now. And that's why, like I said, I, I applaud your brothers. Like Brother Foucault said, if we have to raise our own money, whatever we have to do to make sure that that mural Minister Furkan stays up there, because if it's Minister Furkan today, it's Nat Turner tomorrow, it's Gabriel, any other black man or woman, it could be uh, Ida B. Wells, any other black man or woman that they, they, they deem they don't like. So we got to take our stand now, because like I said, and I close with this, but uh, again, if we as black folks in New York and throughout the country don't stand up to that racist element within that white, racist, Zionist Jewish community, I don't want to no more about nobody calling this radio station to say about how some it, it, uh, Arabs or Arabs or, or Indians or, or, or Asians disrespected black people. If you don't step to these people now, you don't, you don't, damn, you don't deserve no damn respect, man. It, it comes a time when you have to stand up as a man and woman and say enough is enough is enough. Man, I, I, I mean, my, my, my cup, brother, they say in the Bible, brother Kendall and brother AJ and brother uh, uh, Clifton, my cup is running over, man. I just get sick of it. I've been going through this all, I'm 61 years old. Every time you just hear full of duff and elsewhere, every time a black man or woman say anything of this is or say anything about these people, they, especially when they're in the wrong, we get called out anti-Semite, we get called a Jew, mm-hmm. and everything like that. But these people can say any damn thing they want about a handful, I, call, and I'm, I know I'm getting emotional, but I, it's, it's in my heart, it's, it's in my soul. Handful of duffers, Brother AJ and, and Kendall, it was a Jewish talk show host. 
who's dead now. He should have been dead 30, 40 years ago. This bastard got on his radio show. He had gotten into an accident with a black woman. He got on this show, and this attorney he called. He said, he, a black woman, he didn't miss words. He said, this black bitch hit my car. He, he said it two days in a row. I called the ADL here in Philadelphia and asked him to condemn it. They told me they got to look into it. I called two or three times. They told me that they don't know nothing about that. I said, all you got to do is get the tape from the states there because they chose not to do anything about it. So my point in closing is they see these people say, what the hell they want about our people? They disrespect us. But every time we say something on principle, when they wrong, whether it's Israeli, Palestinian, Minister Farrakhan, we got to kowtow and bow down and strip these people. I'm sick of it, man. Enough is enough is enough. And that's all I want to say, Brother Ellie and Richard and Brother Kendall and AJ and, and, and Brother Clifton. Y'all brothers keep staying strong. Because like I say, I've sent a financial, if Ellie give an edge, I send a check up there. And I want my support, my, put my money where my mouth is at to make sure that Minister Furkan's Murrow stay up there and other black people that we decide to put up their stays up there. Thank you, Brother Ellie. Put me on mute and I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thank you for your contribution, Thank brother. You're welcome. Let's go to Carla. What's your name? Hey, how you doing? This is our brother Maurice. Hey, um, sir. How you doing? And I, listen, I want to thank you, you for turning me on to uh, to the story that led me to uh, brother Clifton, brother AJ, brother Kendo, brother Damon. I, 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 you get the credit. I thank you, brother. That, that's what it's all about. Well, it's about the work, brother, and you did the you did the hard work, and um, so I want to congratulate you and brother Richard of uh, always bringing the truth out. You know, I, I laugh about. Um, um, not about our, our uh, pain, but I laugh about how we don't look at history and understand the things that are going on. When you talk about that first situation down there it, where you were talking about Jackson, Mississippi, people forgot about the 1927 flood in Mississippi. The people forgot about what happened with all those black people, 200,000 black people had to be re, uh, lo- relocated and stuff, and how they purposely allowed those areas to flood. But see, that's that's history. Your your black pain, your black suffering has been ignored, and it's been it's, it's been established that it's okay to do that. Because the same thing happened in where in New Orleans, which we ain't even, you don't even hear nobody even talking about uh, Hurricane Katrina and stuff. They're talking about all these other things, but they ain't talking about that and how that has impacted generations of black people. They got okay involuntarily relocated. You know, there's a there's a current battle that's going on, and I meant to send it to you, Elliot. I have to pull the tape with the um, City University of New York, and it, it speaks to to the last brother that was speaking um, about this whole idea of being called an anti semite, uh, and it, and it goes to one of your favorite people, Charles Barron. Charles Barron, it was it was he, there was a meeting that took place on June 30th from the uh, City University of New York about education, and they were trying to stop certain people from coming on the university and speaking about issues that they felt was anti-Semitic. Now, you know that they've already determined that Charles Barron is anti-Semitic. Charles yeah. Barron is a love of black people and be fighting for yeah. black people every day. All of a sudden he's anti-Semitic because he said he had a problem with the way the people in the, pa- the Palestinians are being treated. So there's a battle now for the heart of CUNY. Okay, and I'll send you out after I edit it. I'll send it to you because you ain't gonna want to watch the whole three hours of it. It was a June thirtieth meeting, and Barron went off, and then got up and walked out, and stuff because they he is saying that different ideas and different philosophies should be able to be heard in a in a, a public university. And it reminds me of what I talked about y'all before. I sent it to you and Brother Richard, where I remember the battle we had 
at the Stony Brook University with Professor uh, Dubay, who who was renowned, knew, worked for the ANC, and um, was world renowned, world recognized. And he talked about a 1972 resolution that said, um, which was passed. Okay, it didn't get changed until until. Um, the first Bush got into office, whatever, where the United Nations passed the resolution that, that, that said Zionism is a form of racism. And so Professor Dubay brought up that topic. Remember, world-renowned and doing work for black people, were recognized by everybody, and they fought in New York, this is in the 80s, to keep him from getting tenure. Yep. And it made me so angry and this is this is something like 40 years ago, and I still distinctly remember it because I was on campus. I was there in the middle of the fight. Now, the, the sad part about what the brother did say that I think is interesting, he talked about Hazel Duke. Most of y'all don't know who Hazel Duke is. Hazel Duke been involved for at least 50, almost 60 years in fighting for civil rights in this particular area. But the thing that you said that was so key that the brother brought out was who's controlling the purse strings? I'll tell you now, I've had people that came on my show and said, I can't talk about that issue because such and such a thing is is connected to it. And out of respect, I don't do that to them because they got to take care of their family and all other stuff like that. But it doesn't mean when they ain't off the show, I won't talk about it, but they can't, they can't speak on it. And you're a hundred percent right. It's how it's connected financially to the situation. So you brothers up there that are fighting, as soon as I saw it, I said, let me make sure I send this to brother Elliot because I know that they're not going to get out the right story. We always get their story and stuff. And then the Pretty first thing cute. they want to do is they want to talk about, oh, well, well, you know, we can't, we can't have, um, you know, y'all talking about these statues and stuff like that. And I like what the brother brought out before that. What about that? The statues we talking about is people that did something. And then when you quote stuff, make sure you quote it right. Because we don't control any of these newspapers. So, uh, so I'm going to say that. And, and I thank y'all for the, the work that y'all are doing. Um, Brother Elliot, you can certainly shoot them my information and stuff. Or they can do a follow-up with me. We certainly would love to be airing it. And I will tell you something. People watch the show, and I'm going I'm to I'm say this again. Brother Richard, you understand this too. I've been going after them about the, the Democratic Party and how black people need to stop walk, walking like sheep or like lemons off the cliff. And following these people voting for them. And guess what's been happening? I'm turning around now and they're pulling my show off in certain areas or whatever. Because now I'm telling black people to stop stop this foolishness and start thinking for their damn self. I'm telling black people to stand up for black farmers and stuff. I'm telling black people to, to think for their damn self, to develop a critical thinking skills, to fight for your damn life. Because your life is on the line now. We're Absolutely. talking about, they're talking about the collapse of society within 2040 and stuff because they're afraid of you getting control. They're afraid of, of, of what's going to happen. And the problem is, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to shut up. The problem is we made the mistake of getting our issues mixed up with other people thinking it made sense. Mm. Now they done thrown everything that we, we, we're pushing for. We found this woke nonsense. I'm talking about the truth. I ain't talking about no woke nonsense. I'm talking about the truth. I'm talking about what happened to black people. I'm talking about what this country owes black people. I'm talking about reparations. I'm talking about justice. I'm talking about, you know, but see, we're dealing with capitalists. You brothers made a mistake. They're not American. These black people are capitalists, and all they think about is money. 
So they don't give a damn about being black. As long as all it, all they care about is the green. <laughs> okay. Now you see you got me started early. You got me all crazy. I got to get off. Well, get off listen, it's, it's black men screaming. That's what it is. I, I, I'm gonna I just want to say, go ahead. I agree with the brother 100%. And black Westchester up here, we trying to do exactly what you said. We trying to wake our people up because they're sleeping. And we try to educate them, and 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 we definitely try to get them to stop being, you know, just sheep for the Democratic Party because they don't they, you know, Democratic Party ain't done nothing for us in a long time either. So, you know, but brother, the other other question that brother Elliot and brother Richard always talk about is who are we grooming people to run for office? Absolutely, thing to say to get rid of absolutely. But see, that's that's the key, brother. You got to tell people. That's that's what we're working on. Me me and Elliot were just talking about one of the brothers that was on the show. I'm not going to mention his name. He ran for office, but nobody didn't know he was running. Right, right. (laughs) He didn't tell nobody. So part of part of the the, the thing that, that, that the brothers down there in Mississippi is talking about when you're handing out some water, hand out some political information. Tell people who's who's running, who's fighting for you. But they need to know because they watch on TV, they ain't gonna see anything. Absolutely. Thank you for your contribution, brother Maurice. Okay, now. All right, Maurice. Thank you, brother. Let's go to three four seven three four seven New York. Three four seven, are you there? Let's put them back on hold. They might have stepped away. Um, brother Clifton, uh, brother AJ, and listen, uh, uh, brother Kendo, you can chime in on this also. So you, um, so you just said, forget me, huh? Oh, Don, let's let's go to uh, Newport News. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, look, I I think I I had to turn my speaker off so you get this. I think you knew I was going to crack on you because I, I'm trying to figure out why you're being so kind tonight. Because you told the story about the woman told you that she was what instructed not to speak on that? You're talking to me, uh, brother, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I spoke with the head of the NAACP in Greenberg. Her name is Janice Griffith. And yeah. she told me that she... Hold on. Hold on, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but but I can tell you, I don't have to mention. That's why I'm trying to I'm trying to crack on you now because I put it in the the uh, chat. You know, I like to Google and look at things because I told you it, this ability to just get it at your fingertips. So when you told the story, I'm country, so I'm saying, what's wrong with this picture? And I'm saying, why is Brother Elliot being so nice? So I looked it up, and I'm going to tell you. This lady, I put it in your in your comment section, hoping you would take a look at it. And when you look at her bio, as the young man was just talking about, this lady, lady is prolific in civil rights. And she's also a minister. But what they also tell you is, in her bio, though Duke's political career has made one of the most important black activists and campaigners of the last quarter of the 20th century, her record was blighted when in 1997 she admitted to stealing $13,000 from a co-worker at the New York City building department. Her plea bargain meant that she was not in prison for the office, but was forced her resignation from the office in the NAACP and damaged the careers of several other officers. Watch this. Gatekeepers not only damaged her career, but what did it say? Several other people. Now, what I get from that, from experience, they wanted to purge some of them niggas that wouldn't fall in line. Now, here it comes again. 
the damage to the 90-year-old organization was already under pressure to demonstrate it was not stagnated. Dukes caused controversy again when she ran for president of the New York State double NAACP in 1999. Now, this is two years after she got off. The white folks let her off. And the opponents claimed she rigged the election. So what I'm going to say to you is that's the sign of useful tools of the same people that you've been talking about that do the funding. In other words, those are the people that remain in that organization get to write their own bios because I could give you a lot more. She's a spearheaded important, spearheaded important campaigns. Now I'm going to give you something else. Same problem when it comes to the CBC. I was minding my own business, got up this morning, and got my mom off to a trip to, to uh, Florida. I'm going to do a little work at the house while she's going. I get up, minding my business, having my coffee, mess around and go on Twitter. What do I see? I put it in your chat, in your comment section, and I want you to take a look at it if you get a chance. And anybody else is using a laptop. Sheila Jackson Lee tweets out with a picture of all this water in, in, in Pakistan. It says, as far as I could see, I saw water. We were the first U.S. delegation to visit the most devastating and deadly flooding in Pakistan's history. A flood of historic, historic proportion, really a monster of a, of a disaster. Now, you know I'm that Negro. I took screenshots of people standing in line getting water in Jackson, Mississippi. Then I took pictures of the flooding. Then I also put Gregory Meeks, no good, but in the same tweet, and I wrote back, the power of Botox queen Nancy Pelosi. She keeps her Negroes in line. Yeah. Do you know what happened <laughs> two minutes later? When people went to tweet to look at the tweet, she had deleted the tweet. Now you know she got professional staff to put that mess up. But I learned on this technology, I'd already screenshot it. And I put right back on my tweet, I added to it in a tweet thread and said, in my Beyonce voice, she must not know about me. And I put that tweet up saying, Somebody failed to tell her about me. This tweet from Pakistan flooding couldn't hold up. So why are you trying to edit history? I don't allow that. I'm not to be played with. Too old to bite my tongue. My point to you is these Negroes have gone all over the world. Gregory Meeks goes to Africa and tells 50 damn countries that he built House Bill number 7311, that they don't get to determine their own fate. They got to fall in line with the United States over attacking Ukraine and Russia. I tell them, you got business to do right here in America with permanent infrastructure, brown zone, uh, economic, uh, environmental injustice, and you out here grinning and skinning with, with the, with the uh, warmongering Nancy Pelosi. What you supposed to be representing black people. Here's what I want to know. How come the CBC, watch this, along with another NAACP member. I watched him on Roland Martin standing in front of the White House with Al Sharpton, uh, my girl, uh, what's her name, Maya, Mia, somebody out of, out of New York that ran for mayor. Can't, can't remember her name. All of them standing in front of the White House. They come out and spend 15 minutes telling us what was said by Joe Biden. So I put a tweet out on them. 
Here we have supposed leaders giving their interpretation of what Joe Biden said when we already know Joe Biden is a reformed Klansman that never kept a promise on anything. And now these leaders have to tell us what he said, and he never kept a promise, including when he was backing up Barack Obama. What use are you if we can't even get black people in the largest capital city in the country? Jackson is the poorest capital city in this nation, has been for 35 years. And watch this. I don't even fought the mayor because I'm a nerd. When that man won that election, closely, do you know the governor, who the man who is now governor was a lieutenant governor. They changed the state law that Jackson mayor is the only mayor in the state that does not have the ability to get with his council and raise taxes to fix that water system because they wanted to take over the airport, privatize the water system. Now, I go way back because I used to do HUD projects. Let me tie this into something else. I heard the brothers, the first group you had telling you about Jacksonville, guess what else they did? Haley Barber was the governor. He was the first one to put a halt to Jackson doing anything because guess what he did? Went all over Mississippi, letting Wall Street privatize water systems and all throughout Mississippi in primarily predominantly black neighborhoods, they are all, all still paying for water repairs that were done throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s that are still substandard. So to the point, watch this. In several of them, the foreign companies that got the bids to put in the water meters, even the meters were defective. And the people still couldn't get water after they paid the contractors. So my problem is I went right back to the CBC because I sent them information when I was an activist with another uh, organization. Why do you have 50 black people in the CBC and they haven't done anything to, to enforce the fraudulent contracts put on those people because they're worthless. they just like the lady we're talking about in New York. Unless you're a gatekeeper, you do not keep your job. Much power to your brother, but I keep saying you got to confront these people. Here's another one. Taylor Jackson Lee down in Houston. She got her butt over there talking about Pakistan. Do you know a delegation of activists that I helped to mentor went to her office in Houston and they shut her office and she refused to talk to them. And we looked up, she was down in Mexico at the southern border talking about what was being done to the aliens coming across here. In other words, the only time we're going to get anything is to stop complaining and stay on them so they have to do exactly what she did with me today. When you put that foolishness up and you go at them straight up, they try to remove it. But I screenshot everything, so I put it right back up saying, you don't get to run. You need to come and represent your people or you need to go. Vote them out. Don't run from the party. Take it over. Same thing with Derek Johnson standing his butt in front of the damn White House talking about what Joe Biden said. He actually is a native of Jackson, Mississippi. He knows what's going on down there, brother. Hmm. Much power to you. Keep doing the work. 
Thanks for your contribution. Brother Clifton. Uh, I just want to add on. Okay, the lady well, he's talking about that ran for New York City mayor. Her name is Maya Wiley. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I, I know he heard it because he's still listening. Uh, Brother Clifton, uh, Brother AJ, and Brother Kendo, uh, the gathering that you're having in front of the mule on Friday, <clears throat> you mentioned that uh, uh, several folks locally in the Greenberg area and outside of the Greenberg area have contacted you about coming there and being involved. Um, Brother Clifton, being that you uh, are involved in the neighborhood and the community, and I'm quite sure a lot of young people, you're coming across them or you, you're involved in their organizations, have they expressed interest in being more involved politically in their communities? I'm working with um, Kedra Tubman. She's at the Schaumburg Library. She do a thing called Junior Scholars. Okay. And I'm trying to do a partnership with her because the town gave me, um, the town and the county gave me 30000 15 each. Ain't a lot of money, but it's a pilot program. <clears throat> and because I wouldn't denounce Minister Farrakhan, now they won't give me my money. They told me I got to get a 501c3, which I am working on which I send in, but the backlog because of coronavirus and all of that. So I'm waiting on that to come in. Um, I do have um, the Greenberg Public Library, a partnership with me. So they're giving me um, two days out of the month. They're going to pay for speakers I can bring in, and they're giving me free space. So part of my community around wall, even though it is financial literacy, it also – going to be a young politician because I'm a district leader too in Greenberg. Okay. And I'm on the housing authority board. So I'm a commissioner on that. So I'm, I mean, it ain't too much that going on in Greenberg. I don't know because I don't bow down the dislike come and definitely with the people that's in power. But I am working on that, getting younger people involved with politics because a lot of people in, in my, my neighborhood say, Oh, it don't mean nothing. I'm telling the politics make the rules, and we should always be involved. Richard, uh, <laughs> you you hear what Brother Clifton said? Uh, you involved locally, and you hear some of the same comments. Yeah, but uh, you see that mentality is really changing almost before our eyes. It's, it's, I mean, the the representation of new leadership is there, and I and I and I, I appreciate hearing that the development part is necessary. Um, but it's it's one of those things, Elliot and, and and Brother Clifton and you know Brother AJ and Brother Kendall, um, that we have to have a long game plan. True, you know, because these people. You know, and I and, and let me say I'm I'm a little disappointed in our positioning because it's not about what the others are doing. They are doing what they've been doing. Yes. And yeah. we've been dealing with that for generations. The issue is what we have to do. I mean, in 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 whether whether it be um in New York or, or be in Mississippi. We have to have generational a generational strategy 
to truly get control of the political and economic power that we a space that we're in. Um, and talking about these other people and what they've done, what they do, even the type of uh, misleadership that exists is not really where we have to continue our dialogue um, in order to be able to be clear, especially for the Time for Awakening audience. Um, they need to go up there, those of us who can, to support the, the brothers and sisters there in New York and around that mural. They need to be able to support those in Mississippi. But we need to, where you started, Elliot, we need to be able to be more clear. How organized are we? Yes. If there's one man, I mean, with the news report is one man. What we were talking about is one man who's been sitting 33 years for black folks. Mm. And all we had to do was to put up an image of one man. Mm. Two, is that, what is that? A hundred thousand? What was, what was the cost of uh, the, the allocation for this mural? They gave a hundred thousand, but most of it went to instruction. It didn't much didn't go to the artists, and that's what me and Kendall was fighting for. And finally, it was a part of infrastructure they couldn't use, and I suggest they use that money to pay the artists. And and here we that as a, as I um, mentioned about those in Mississippi, they have four hundred and seventy two. Point six billion dollars that they're going to be spending over the next 20 years on infrastructure. There is no way we should not be have generational positioning that controls yes. that 20 years. And, and we're talking about in a state, in a township, in a county. I'm, I don't, I don't, you know, Elliot, I, I apologize when I, you know, go off like that, but it's, it's, I'm hoping that we all recognize that there is something that we have to do and talking about what other people have been doing is not it. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to speak up on that. Go ahead, brother. Really like, uh, probably the most useful person on this uh, radio show. Um, there is a very, very large, um, there's a powerful resurgence and I guess uh, my age bracket and demographic kind of looking at what's going on around us and wanting to be involved. And I think uh, with my art, I've always just tried to like, you know, paint what, what people are feeling. And I think this situation kind of highlights like, you know, the activism that's kind of coming out right now with the youth. And I kind of wanted to say that like um, long-term plans to speak to what we're being talking about, like long-term plans, are the most, uh, I think that's the best way to kind of go at this. Um, having, I guess, sporadic bouts of like, you know, battles with, with people and not really having any thought out, like, uh, fundamental structural changes that can be made from it. That's not something that we kind of want to get into. It kind of psychologizes everything and you wind up right at the, at the beginning again. So, hmm. um, hopefully this brings about that type of new change and, you know, I'm honored to be a part of it for sure. You know, I like to say real fast is that the black race spend $1.3 trillion yearly on foolishness. 
And we have all these blacks in powerful positions all throughout the country, have all type of ideas how to save America, but no ideas how to save our own community. <laughs> so we just, so we, money ain't our issue. Organizing is our problem. Wow. Listen, I want to thank uh, you brothers for being with us, sharing this information. Uh, before we go, uh, I'll start with Brother Kendall. Uh, listen, I know the pressure you're under as a young man and, uh, wanting to paint, wanting to show your art. Uh, Brother Kendall, is it, do you have a website? Do you, I mean, do you, I mean, do you, uh, have paintings that you sell? Yeah, yeah, I, I do actually. Um, um, it's, uh, Kendo, K-I-N-D-O-A-R-T dot com, kendoart dot com. And, uh, you could, uh, look my Instagram up. It's at Kendo Slice, K-I-N-D-O-S-L-I-C-E. And, uh, yeah, you know, pressure is nothing to me, man. I'm cool. So it's all good. I mean, this is, this right is right. So when I went into this, like I said, I wasn't trying to be no activist or anything. I just wanted to highlight melanin because, you know, we never get to do that. So, like I said, the fact that we were able to do that and it came from a, a melanated team, uh, to have external pressure try to extinguish the momentum we already laid forth, you know, that's when things kind of got ugly. So, you know, I don't really feel the pressure for me because it's like I'm standing on the right side of history. At least that's how I look. Richard. Oh, I think uh, Richard. Richard. Oh, my lost brother, Richard. Uh, brother AJ, um, when we winding things down, just talk about uh, uh, the Black Westchester, uh, the the radio program, how people can hear it, and hopefully they'll be hearing it soon on time for an awakening. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll get some things together. But uh, That's- anything that you want to uh, let us know before we leave, the floor is yours. Um, um, not one, um, the, the website, excuse me, I'm doing like five things at once. The website, <laughs> um, everybody can check out is just blackwestchester.com. That is the central location for the digital version of the newspaper, for the archive of the radio shows and our daily news that we do. Um, and I just wrote a book. Um, talking about some of the trials and tribulations we we encountered on starting Black Westchester, actually called Black Westchester: The Origin Story. It's on uh, Amazon right now, um, so it's a good read about two brothers just wanting to do their part, you know, help change the narrative of how we're portrayed in the media, um, hold our elected officials' feet to the fire, especially the black ones, because we feel they should know better, and um, highlight some of our unsung heroes that. They don't get that publicity. They're not going to get that publicity on the from the white media, and um, you know they hold it down in their communities every day. So uh, that's that's a little bit what we do news with the black point of view. Um, like I said, you can catch everything on um, blackwestchester dot com. You can follow me on all um, social media outlets on Mister AJ M R AJ Woodson W O O D S O N Mister AJ Woodson on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, on everything. And, uh, and I, I just want to say, yo, I'm, I'm proud of these brothers because this is their fight. You, you know, like like Cliff, Cliff is in the trenches. Like what I do is a supportive role. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we have a lot of these, a lot of our communities where people want us to come in and fight for them, but they're not willing to step up by themselves. And Cliff has always been willing to step up and stand up for himself and stand up for the, for his, for the cause and for the people. So, you know, it's my pleasure when I can to go in and, you know, shed light and shine light on what he's doing, you know, maybe give him a little more exposure, but you know, they, they, they're doing the heavy lifting. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, you know, reporting what's going on and, you know, calling a few things out that need to be called out. And you did a good job doing it today. I appreciate it. No doubt. And Kendo, and Kendo, 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 you got a bright future, my brother. brother. I'm looking forward to just following you in your career. career. Um, I see great things with you, my brother. Yeah. You guys do for your community, man. Like, it's, it's, it's not done enough for our, by enough people. And I know that you really care. You re- you guys are really passionate. So I really do appreciate the kind words, man. Appreciate y'all. No doubt. And we're going to wind it up with you, uh, Brother Clifton. Uh, and listen, uh, because I, I know that uh, you had mentioned, or it was mentioned, I, I don't, I'm not sure whether you directly mentioned it or whether I read it uh, uh, in one of Brother AJ's works or, or Brother Damon about the community saying, okay, uh, uh, saying to Greenberg, okay, you gave 125000 towards this mural project. We'll give you your money back and raise these monies privately. Uh, if Do you have any connection right now about the, the private, how people can donate if, if anything has been set up? Or, or uh, any listen, any information that you want to give to us, the floor is yours. We've already talked about the gathering happening on September the 9th, but you can announce that again. Uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to stay in touch. But go ahead. You know, <clears throat> Brother Elliot, um, they have these brothers called Earn Your Leisure. Have you heard of them? They got a podcast on financial literacy, Earn Your Leisure. If not, look, I think I was telling you about them earlier today. Okay. And um, they're from Greenberg. And Kendall put them on the um, Merle, too. And they, they doing real big things all throughout the country. You know, they interviewing on a, um, um, what's that wake up club. They with Steve Harvey, Shaq, and they did a, um, a video at the mural saying that if they have to, they will, um, sponsor the um, $100,000. People saying they want to give GoFundMe, but the whole thing is now. <clears throat> Even if we raise the money, and me and Kendall talked about this, even if they raise the money, it's still the town is trying to say now the state involved. So, and I asked Paul Finer, the supervisor, I said, "Hey, if we raise the money, will y'all be? Then you can't use the um that is taxpayer money." He didn't answer it. The two blacks, Ken Jones and Gina Jackson, they never answer it. You know, so. I'm not afraid, you know, and I've been dealing with this type of stuff forever, you know, in my community. I've been an advocate for over 30 years here. And and now it's starting to be open and people are starting to see. And I don't, we got a community center that is a state of the art that's not even ours no more. So it's a lot of things going on in the Greenberg and probably by this mural, starting with this here, we can open up other things. But just to point a man, like you said, could be in office for 33 years. 
and he, we had a town, right, on 119. I want to close with this. 119 yes. is a main road on in Greenberg, and it used to be a community. And Kendall and us, we put that on the wall to the redlining, the urban renewer, right? There was Roosevelt, Columbus, and Washington Avenue. Now it's, it's Kmart, Petsmart, and they got high-end car dealership all up and down 119, and they don't hire nobody from the community. And I was telling them about a thing called Section 3, where anything that come into the community, you're supposed to give the low or low-income housing people. And the town, it falls on deaf ear. And what upsets me the most, there's five council. It's a supervisor and four council people. So we got Gina Jackson, Ken Jones, Paul Fine as a supervisor, and we got Ellen Hendricks and Francis Sheen. Out of the five, it only takes three votes to change anything in Greenberg. You got two blacks the first time in the history of Greenberg that two blacks was on the board at the same time. I'll be honest with you, I'd rather see somebody white. They're the whitest on the board with no shame. Wow. Uh, yeah, I want, I, want, I want to just confirm, um, back up what, what Brother Cliff was saying. Brother Damon is from, grew up in Greenberg too, and he always talked about 119 being nothing but black businesses and black homes, and they got rid of all of that. And, and, and you know, that's that's, you know, that's a shame. Like, you know, there's none. It was like his aunt owned one of the, the, the businesses that were there. And it was, just, it was a pride. It was all black businesses and, and, you know, homes and stuff. And they, they got rid of all that. We don't even have a barber shop. <laughs> that is true. I, I did, I did, a, I did, a, um, I, I did an issue with highlighting all the black businesses in Westchester. And I was desperately looking for a barbershop, a black owned barbershop in Greenberg and couldn't find one. Well, I, you know what? Before I let you go, it's a black area. Who has the barbershops? It's no barbershop. You got to go to the White Plains, Mount Vernon. I go to Mount Vernon where AJ lives. Oh wow! Yeah, we, we're the only we're, we're the only black run city in in Westchester, maybe the Eastern Seaboard, actually. Yes. And 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 the Negroes out here can't get it together. Ain't nope. no Republicans messing it up. Ain't no white people messing it up. It's black Democrats trying to politically decapitate other black Democrats. We, we're the, like the Wakanda of Westchester, and, and our elected officials keep giving away our vibranium. Wow. Brothers, we're going we're gonna to be working on this. We're going to highlight what's going on, and uh, we're going to help organize, help get the word out. We're going to do whatever we can as the time for Awakening Media, myself and Brother Richard. Brother Richard? Let me say this last thing, Brother, before Brother Richard go. Um, community center without walls. Okay. Um, is the email is ccwwall at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead, repeat that, Brother Clifton. I said it's community center without walls. Mm-hmm. And the email is ccwalls, ccwwalls at gmail.com ccwwall at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you. Brother Richard? Yes, yes. Any final words? Go ahead. Go ahead. All I I know, based off of tonight's program and looking at these two different areas, and we've dealt with Mason, we dealt with, um, you know, um, um, Reverend Pinky's been on from Benton Harbor, 
we are, you know, looking at the development and I, and I brother, and I appreciate what brother Ken, Kendo said, we're looking at the, once again, um, the centering of, of, um, with, uh, uh, Baba Jacob Corral is called the winning Masu, the repetition of the birth of Renaissance. Absolutely. There's no way that we can just listen. We can just acknowledge and, and, and brother Ellie, you always tell us that the only reason why movement isn't occurring, the reason why organizing isn't occurring is because we don't have the information. And we're getting more and more of the information from these different social um, places, places where we live, where in 2022, we live and don't control. <laughs> that, 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 this is not... Um, 1822, <laughs> 1922, 2022, and we're talking about from the south to the north, from the east to the Midwest. We ain't even dealt with the West. Um, but when I hear Brother Kendo saying, even as an artist, you know, the whole question about um, and the generational point, that they see, they understand, they recognize a long-term plan has to be put in place, mm-hmm. and power through organizing is the only way to do it. And Brother Clifton is saying that even in creating institutional relationships, you know, talking about the Schomburg, um, you know, the, the library and that kind of thing, and 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 Brother AJ talking about being that communication just for this area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's powerful and important. And I hope all of us on Time for Awakening understand that. And I, and I keep, I'm going to keep beating this drum, Elliot, because if we don't, what we're watching is the continuation, not just of a physical, because there ain't no change here. We see it in the South, they're, they're in the Midwest, they're actually chemicalizing the death of our biological systems. Mm. And we're talking about when we're talking about what's happening in Westchester, <clears throat> dealing with the imagery, that is dealing with our mental being. They're telling you you can't even decide who is going to be your leadership. On image, not relationship to who you go to, but just the image you can't decide. That shit is powerful. They were really banking on me not saying anything and being able to, like, cowtail. And Cliff kept saying it. He was like, listen, man, like, you do what you got to do. But I told him, I was like, nah, man, like, we in this to the finish because it's like there's no way that somebody could just tell you who you are going to look up to and try to find a reason for it the person that you look up to that you want to see represent your community for the things that they've done. You're going to let them pick out things to demonize them. Like, like I said, man, I started with no ego, man. I wanted this thing to move forward and it really didn't click until I, I, I offered up the million man March with Cliff. We were like, all right, how about the million man March? Like we offered Elijah Muhammad and the million man. Yeah. March. I said, those are my two options. Those are the options that we got, and I, I'm I'm a I'm a go with one of those, and 
I figured the Million Man March would win out because it was representative of people being together and what happened. They really had the nerve to say no. And not just uh, you know, well, let's talk about how you're gonna how you're gonna uh approach it, how you're gonna how it's gonna look on the wall. It was just a flat out like no. And I didn't even hear it from the person who said no, it was passed down. So that was where we really took off because I was like, listen, <laughs> you can't tell me to my face that I'm being censored. And then dangle of the, the money for the artist as a leverage point to get me to take it down, then use the state and have inspectors come down to make it look like there's something structurally wrong with the wall that you guys had primed, that you had your people build the platform for. Like, I didn't build the platform. Clifton didn't build the platform. There's nothing wrong with the paint on that wall. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing offensive. So I think at this point, you know, it's unfortunate that we can't come to a, 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 a an armistice on this and just move forward and just say, you know, it's it's let bygones be bygones, you know. And move forward. It's rough. So I don't know where we're going with this. And just how much are we colonized people in, in the most powerful nation state in the, on the planet and been here longer than any other ethnic group in this country. <laughs> Any other? Wow, that, that, that's that's on us. Can I say one last thing in closing, if it's okay? Yes, sir. Um, you know, one brother, um, one of the last brothers that spoke, talking about, you know, we gotta, we have to talk about, we have to have an honest conversation amongst ourselves on what it is we need to do, and we need to do it, but we also have to acknowledge we have a lot of Negroes in our way. Yes. And, and they, 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 that, that, that we need to, we're going to have to get them out the way. We got to deal with it. I agree with you. Our, our skin folk, they're not our kin folk. And they're as, they're more detrimental to us than the enemy is. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And we, when we, and when we're fighting this fight and it is a fight, we are, it's war. It, you know, it's war. We're going to have to take out some of our own, unfortunately. And I, I know that's real radical. But there's there's a lot of us that are in our way, so it's Man. like you, you either down with it, you either down with it, or or, or get out the way, or, or we moving you out the way. I mean, and and we really need to start thinking like that as well, you know. So I, I just want to throw that out there to your audience and everything, you know. A lot of us is the problem. Plain talk, plain talk. <laughs> Brothers, thanks for being with us this evening. I'm gonna be in touch with uh, bro, brother. I, I guess I'll be in touch uh, through brother Clifton with brother Kendo, but uh, brother yeah. AJ, brother Clifton, I'll be in touch. Please, hold tap all of y'all, and thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for being with us. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Richard. Yes. Yes. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it was great having the brothers on with us this evening from both places. Yes. To kind of let us know what we're dealing with. It was it's more than refreshing, Richard, because I know it's brothers and sisters of a certain age out here really involved in the struggle. But it's refreshing to hear young men like Brother Kendo uh, talk about 
And and he was honest, Richard. He said, you know, yeah. I was interested in the art first. Because mm-hmm. the man's an artist. But when he said they came at him, because he said that he wasn't getting paid in the beginning. He was just doing this. But he said Brother Clifton pushed for him to be able to get paid because other people were getting paid on projects. Mm-hmm. And this was taxpayers' money. So when the money got some money allocated for the artists, including uh, Brother Kendall, to get paid, all of a sudden they're going to wave that in front of his face, mm-hmm. threaten him not to get paid to paint over that mur- uh, paint over uh the portion of minister, and, and the thing about it, it's not a, a mural of Minister Farrakhan. Right. He's a historic image among, I hope people can go to some of the video clips and look at that portion that's done. According to Brother Clifton, that's not even half of it. But in that portion that's done, it's several people in a, in a collage, just like Brother Otis said. It's a collage of faces, and you're going to pick out Minister Farrakhan. And then threatened like they put on that television report about they was going to, they was going to paint over it, mm-hmm. which well, shows the media being in cahoots with this. This is just a small group, small county political group that this guy has been sitting there for thirty three years. Thirty three. This media and their reporting makes it you know because they're actually reinforcing. Something that don't exist. Mm. Instead of reporting, because then they would have had to talk to, you know, them in order to be able to find out: Are you going to con- are you going to continue to do it or not? Richard, I, you know, you heard Brother AJ his closing statement. Oh, mm. uh, we can't get around it. These people are doing damage, and I'm talking about people that look like us are doing damage because they're in these positions where they can help, and they do the opposite. We have to do something about that. I know it's always been a a, a, a segment of our people. I don't know the percentage, but it's a lot of them being, you know, in the community. You talk with people that talk about they don't want to get involved, and I'm not talking about being politically involved like these folks are because they're all about capitalism and power and taking advantage. I'm not talking about that. We got to get involved in the political runnings of this so we can practice and be more efficient in leadership and also to get the goods and services to our community that we deserve because we pay taxes here. They take our money and use it elsewhere, just like they've been doing down there in Jackson. And the water is the fifth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, they held it up. When they offered that four that four hundred and something million dollars, huh. they requested that. And the representative said if they would have got that two years ago, they would have been two years in advance. Wow. But they said no. And that goes with Brother Patrick said. This is this, you know, this is something else going on. This and, and Elliot, I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't want to go off on this, but this, this, when we see the the Dellen Roofs and we hear about the military, you know, the white nationalists in the military and in the police, this thing is bigger than just this township or this city. Yeah. This is bigger than that. 
And if we don't understand that, I don't know what they, what we think we living in. And yes, you're right. There's buffers. It's always been historically, but we have to make the decision. As I heard brother AJ said, we're going to have to make decisions of what we're going to do with them. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's real. And it's going to be brother Kendall and his generation and really his 11 year old daughter generation that is going to have to deal with this straight up. Richard, before I uh, uh, close it out, uh, just a couple of things, because I wasn't able to really dig into <clears throat> the story. I mentioned it to Brother Patrick before he came on the air. I don't know whether you saw it. They had a a pilot that was threatening to crash his plane into a Walmart down there in Mississippi. Did, no, did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Now, I don't know the, the details behind it. I do know that most pilots in this society that we live in are white. So you're in Mississippi. A lot of things are going on down there in Mississippi. And you're threatening to crash your plane into a Walmart. I got my druthers on what, you know, who the pilot was and who predominantly shops at this Walmart. But Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. I want to try to find out some more information behind that. Oh, I see brother Otis put something on there. Uh, he stole a plane supposedly. Okay. Yeah, but I, I want to kind of find out the, you know, the, the, the players involved in this. Also, um, we see it in another young man. Uh, you know, Ohio, they seem to, uh, you have the, uh, boy, they, if, if, if you keep in score, they seem to be ahead in this thing. You just had a young brother out there on Ohio get gunned down uh, about three weeks ago, and now they did it again. Did you see that, Richard? No, no. Supposed to be serving this warrant for uh, child support. I think he was delinquent in child support. 20, 20, I think 21 years old or something like that. And it, and again, you know, this, this is a joke about this body cam stuff because they killed black people with the body cam on. They came okay. in this man's apartment. Kick the door in. He's in his sleep. It showed him turning around in the bed. And that's all that, that's all he was able to do was turn around in the bed. They let him have it. You hear me he, saying, Elliot, this thing is no joke what's going on. Hmm. It is no joke. And it's and it's internationalized. And if we just think that, you know, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't want to go on. But I hear it's it's interesting. I mean, you know. You, uh, you, you see what Brother Otis put in the chat room, shot in one second with a vape pen in his hand. I knew I knew it was I mean as soon as the guy kicked the door open, he just let him have it. So uh Listen, before we leave, let me give the lineup on time for an awakening media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogues with African Perspectives uh, and Brother Oshi. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on at Monday evenings, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. That's 8 to 9. And Conversation Reparations uh, in COVID's program, the first and third Mondays of the month. Host Brother Jamoke, that's from 9 to 10. 
the first and third Mondays of the month. On Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday is our time, the Black Farmers Program from 8 to 9 and from 9 to 10. Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad on Thursdays from 7 p.m. to 8 or you know, 7 p.m. to 8.30 a lot of times. Mississippi on the move. That's Brother Patrick Lumumba's program. Uh, the Black Liberation Movement's program down there in Mississippi. That's from eight, uh, from 7 to 8.30 on Thursdays. Time for Awakening is back from 8 until on Fridays and on Saturdays from 7 to 9. The Elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Children playing